The DWA podcast is recorded live to SD card at the old Wrigley building in Santa Cruz, California. Driving while awesome podcast radio hour. <laughs> oh God. Yo, do you guys know what a fluffer is? GTO Mellow Grinds. Oh, I got a PT Cruiser. It's a convertible. It's really cool. All this melts of crayons for you. <laughs> hey, YOLO, you only have one life. Do you have coilovers? No, beat it. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I threw it up. <laughs> OffTheRecord.com. Fight those tickets. If you don't win, you don't pay. All you have to do is download the app, snap a photo of your ticket, answer a few questions, get matched to an experienced lawyer, and you won't pay for the ticket. Enter code AWESOME to get a nice discount. Welcome to Driving Well Awesome. My name is Warren. I am Lane. I'm Art. And I'm Brian. And we are joined by a special guest. Uh, special guest, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Jason Camisa. Hi, Jason. Hashtag Discount Sandler, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> that works. No, that people works. really latch onto that, don't they? You know, I don't really actually look like Adam Sandler until you uh, put a camera in front of me, and then apparently I look like Adam Sandler, so whatever. There's, there's a resemblance. I, I know, I wouldn't say it, but there's definitely some pictures, and you're like, that's... That could be Adam Sandler right there. Did we invite yeah. Adam Sandler on our rally? Is that something? Oh, no, that's that's something sad. you guys would do. And, and would. frankly, I would go just to dispel the rumor. And just, <laughs> you wouldn't come, though. Yeah. No, I, I, I've never, I have never seen an Adam Sandler movie. What the what? fuck? Yeah. Some, even some, one of the comments on, on my, like, on Instagram where I asked people to ask questions was like, well, you're really going for the Sandler vibe yeah, on I that saw picture. That. But what? by the way, you, know what the, what? you, you had to mean? go out of your way to avoid an Adam Sandler movie. That's like yeah. almost impossible. Yeah. I kind of They're avoided so most good. movies. Avoid most movies. All right. Let's get into this. Come on. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Wow. I think the, the only way that this could have happened is if Camisa is blind, actually. Are you oh, blind? I driving. am dark and you are blind. <laughs> you were blind as a bit. Uh, I know. I just, I think I spent most of my life working and not watching movies. Uh, like, but what about airplanes? <laughs> airplanes, the band. Okay, airplane. Christmas vacation. No, no, I'm saying no, on airplanes saying, when you're flying. <laughs> no, 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 but airplane is the best movie of all time. It's oh, oh, that's funny. Oh. Um, uh, airplanes, I watch either TV shows or I work. Typically when I was flying anywhere, I was on the way back from a press launch, which meant that like there was you're some snoozing. schmuck editor of mine going, you're, as soon as you touch the ground, I'd better have that story. So I just worked. <laughs> well, you had to get there too, you know? Yeah, that was the research. That's oh, when you download like six, you know I watch some of Game of Thrones. Like, oh, here I would we go. download some okay. some like okay. TV shows and watch yeah. them, but movies. So you, what you're saying is you've you've maybe watched a dozen movies in your lifetime. Is that nah, what you're a little more than that? A little more than that. <laughs> maybe two dozen. Maybe crazy. two dozen. Not much more than that. It's pretty sad. Um, how's life. things going in your world, Jason? Uh, the last three months or whatever it's been. <laughs> it's great. Everything's yeah. great. <laughs> uh, you know, look, I'm working. Um, I don't have the coronavirus, so I really can't complain about anything. I mean, this is a very strange time for all yeah. of us. Um, and uh, for me personally, it's been busier than normal because I have to figure out ways that I can create content without actually being able to do it. Um, so it's 
it's been yeah i was gonna say yeah because you you do seem to be cranking them out i mean the car reviews and everything keep coming and uh that's got to be a bit stressful to be on the hook for coming up with all this new stuff and you know you're still on the hook now more than ever people want to see this stuff probably uh and uh yet you're confined to you know a single space more or less i mean i had to make some adjustments so like i had a minimum number of miles i would put on any press car that i would have for the week and i just i drew it as 100 which doesn't sound like much but in the bay area like i can get from here to anywhere any one of the places that i go and back in less than 20 miles um so you know, like I, I, there's no way, like I can't, where, how, where am I going? I'm not going anywhere. So like the, the number of miles that I put on every car is plummeted. Um, but I still have to spend enough time with it that I can give it my hashtag Camisa verdict or whatever. My, the stupid Instagram review. Oh, you're calling it a Camisa verdict? Is this I to? He has been. Wait, <laughs> I had to for a reason. And it's Do you because- give it a Camisa score? No. I, I like I like I like this idea. I think he would score the great. With that What's wrong with a right score? No, that's a how good long, thing, right? Because Brian doesn't know the Brian doesn't word. know the joke, dude. Okay, okay yeah. yeah. But also, I gotta say that. Um, he, did you notice that he made it seem like he wasn't sure what it was called? Like someone no, else I really made it remember. up. Like, like that. <laughs> the only reason I do it is because you can't search for anything on Instagram. So yeah, I right. would love to have one sort of landing page where people can go and because people are constantly like, "Hey, I'd love for you to do a review on X," and I've already done it. Um, so I tag them all with hashtag Camisa verdict so that you can just go to that hashtag and see yeah. all of them. No, that's a good um, idea. That's so I mean is, that's what hashtags are for. That's, yeah, that's why the idea. they exist. Of course, exactly I can't stop anyone else from tagging anything else. Like you know, yeah. here's a picture of my foot. Commiser. But I like arts. Mm. To arts point, it's Jason's the guy with the most meticulous spreadsheets of every mileage oil change and everything. And he's like, what is it called again? Was it the Camisa uh, verdict <laughs> <Yeah>. or <laughs> Camisa uh, judgment? Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Camisa. Some, it was originally, I just wanted to call it like an Insta review, but yeah. you know, That's everyone else taken. calls it that too. So then you can't find it. Exactly. Well, I like them. I appreciate your reviews. I just want you to no, know they're that. Great. Thanks. I think one of your reviews recently, I said, I appreciate this review. That was my only comment. <laughs> You disagree with every word, but I appreciate the review. <laughs> no. No, what was it? I think it was, I don't know, Miata or something. Um, we're uh, waiting for some questions to come pouring in, but until then, um, this is not Jason's first go around on the podcast, so we don't need to get too much into backstory, but we can ask some questions. Um, you up for it, y'all? Depends. Word. If- Word to your mother. Um, I'll just go with the first one here. Real Jay Branks. Oh man, Jason's going old school. Um, that's a friend of mine. I don't know. I know exactly. May not count. Jason wagon question: (laughs) Is the bulk of the depreciation curve of a two-year-old Jaguar XFS sport brake already passed? If it's lost over forty k during that time frame, please say yes. Asking for a friend. Okay, so this is my buddy Josh whose girlfriend needs a car and, and he's been on the po- rally for those that you know follow us uh dodge colt uh del sol what else is he josh's josh's milieu is having the nicest preserved example of the most undesirable cars ever made mazda navajo but it is a two-door which is no. pretty desirable to home <laughs> people who live in trailer parks don't have room for classic car. Anyway, pretty, pretty um, desirable <laughs> of all navajos i'm just saying yes. so josh is in this like on this mission to find something really cool for his girlfriend perry and he came up with the idea that she should have a jaguar xf sport brake and frankly 
I can't disagree because it's a really cool car, but they Jaguar priced it completely ridiculously. So they were like 80 grand when they should have been 55, which is what the yeah. equivalent F pace was. Um, and so now he found one and he's trying to convince himself that's a great idea. Here's this is what Jay Lamb has, right? Yeah. yeah. And does Jay have an XF? Yeah, Jay bought one new and he leased it and he said, I would never buy this out of warranty, but I'm leasing yeah. it because it got, it had a bunch of money on the hood. And by the way, Jason, is that a, a sport shooting brake? That's not a shooting brake. It says no, that's a break. wagon. So okay, sport brake. Sport brake. Oh, yeah, that sport brake is a made-up word. A shooting okay. brake is a yeah. two-door station wagon. Yes, yes. Like a Ferrari FF or something. Yeah. Um, or but here's the deal. Volkswagen here's the, Fox. Yes, Fox was a two-door wagon. <laughs> it's a uh, wagon, BMW exactly. <laughs> shooting brake. The, the the Z3 M Coupe. Uh, the yeah. Z3 Coupe. Um, but here's the thing. If, if the dealership is knocking $40,000 off the sticker of the car, that's what the car is worth now. Don't pretend <laughs> that this is going to be a good investment from here on out. Oh, like right. the car was a terrible investment. It will depreciate terribly. However, it's a car with, I think like a five year, five years left on its warranty because they're going to like give him a CPO warranty on it. And so do I think he could do far worse in terms of depreciation? Absolutely. Could he do better? A hundred percent, but mm. it's still cool for, for, for 30 grand or whatever, you know, 30 something thousand dollars yeah. uh, for, for that car new effectively is a really good deal. Dude, you yeah. don't see yourself in, in the parking lot either. Like you, you don't like, that's a very that's uncommon car to see, which is a, a big plus, I think. And that's what that's he's true. going for typically, right? He wants unique. Yeah. He wants rare. Uh, and he just likes something that's great to drive. Right. And he wants it to be great to drive for the, for the occasions that he does drive it. Here's the thing. Let's talk about Josh for a second. His current car that he gave to her is a, I'm, I'm told it's pronounced compass, but we pronounce oh. it compass because <laughs> it's somewhere in between the two <laughs> of those things. Wow. And so, frankly, so the, bad. when he gave that to Perry, we're like, oh, so you're about to break up with her, right? Like, <laughs> she sucks. <laughs> it's really, yeah, there's horrendous. no other reason to give anyone a compass. Which no. general? The new one? At least it's a new one. Please tell me it's, it's a newer new one. one. It's the yeah. new one and it's good looking and whatever, but it's a piece of shit. And he, he leased it oh. because it was like $1.75 a week on lease or something. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, wow. And yeah, he's like, step up after that. Come on. We have a... Uh, Someone who actually donated some money on a uh, YouTube chat, Vroomhilda, says, if I can't find an E30 325i in decent condition for $10,000, would a 330ci still give a good engaging experience for spirited driving, track days, and wrenching? That would be an E46 then. Yeah. 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 Right. Hard to compare. But yeah, it's not really comparable. Yeah. No. But he's, I guess and he's it, asking if he can get an engaging spirit driving track, blah, blah, blah experience out of it. Definitely. Yeah. It would That's, do all those yeah. things. Yeah. And you get a lot, of, a lot of car for 10 K. I mean, it's a great car for 10 K 10 K. I have not driven a non M three E 46 on track and I suspect they would be piggish, but yeah. So suspect what it'd be piggish. It'd be very understeery and very heavy and it would go through tires and brakes a lot. So yeah. Brian has because, one that's dialed yeah. in. And yeah, he's raced an E30, so I guess what's yeah, uh, so what's your feedback on that? My main feedback after coming back from the track day in mine was that uh, at a modern track day, if you're in a more advanced group, it's you're totally undergunned. Like, it's way too slow, basically. Everyone's flying up to you in Caymans and everything and passing you. So my main, my main the main drawback uh, for me was that uh, it was 
kind of too slow, but uh, the E30 is going to be even slower. Um, I mean, it's, it's super fun. It was, you know, it's really engaging. Yeah. It's a little bit heavy, but, um, you know, it, it, if you, and granted I, I did put a lot of work and money into mine, um, uh, to get it set up. Uh, but, uh, so without that, I, I, I think, I think you're having trouble actually. I, and I have another, uh, data point, which is the E36 M3. Um, so, uh, I took my E36 M3 that was totally stock to Thunderhill, uh, and I I almost didn't have any fun with it. <laughs> like I felt like it needed some tuning to be able to have fun. It was pushing, and you know I had shit tires on too. But uh, you know yeah, you that, could just I mean, tell. I think that's the big thing. I don't yeah. think so. I think I think you need you need you need tires. So. You need alignment you need and, plates, and right to get there. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and I was coming from a, a an E30 race car basically, so maybe that's the problem with the comparison. Um, but even even with good tires, I feel like uh, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna do what you want. I think to uh, E36 M3s are perfect for the track, but that's because people put stuff into them. Right. Um, anyways, yeah, I, I think you're, you're going to be even slower around a track with an E30. So my main gripe with the E46 is going to be even worse, uh, going back. But as a, a couple daily, generations. like a, an a E46 330i, especially if you get to ZHP as a daily driver is one of the best, most interactive fun cars you could buy. Yeah. That's, That's the thing, right? It's has. like raw performance is one thing, but yeah, like, is it, can it be engaging? Can it be fun? Like on back roads and stuff Absolutely. like that? Sure. Especially with a proper alignment, good, good suspension, good tires. Um, that's the thing, like, like, you know, Brian's talking about driving. I mean, tires are everything for that situation. Like, cause you have no, no front end grip. You have not, everything is totally off, right? Everything becomes unstable. You have no, you have no traction coming out of corners. Like, so the, the tire limitation there really throws the whole experience out the window. But yes, stock, I mean, those cars, especially at the limit, you know, with the, with the stock alignment, they're, they're definitely a little understeer biased for, um, but that's, you know, I think the tires would have made a huge difference. I've autocrossed the stock E36 M3 and with good tires, like it, they're, they're workable. I mean, you definitely stand on the nose a lot and you use the brakes a lot to have them, to make them rotate. But, um, you know, that's, that's engaging and fun in a different way. But, um, I think, I don't know, to answer this question though, the, the, the E30 versus a E46, you know, you're talking about an experience that's way, way more insulated in the E46. Um, the steering is totally different. Um, you do have some good feedback, but nothing like an E30. Uh, and, you know, just the weight is, is a, is a massive one, right? Like it just, it affects everything. And so, I don't know. I, I think you can't compare them from that perspective. Like if you're just going apples to apples, but, Standing on its own, E46 can be fun. That's kind of my summary on that. Yeah, it, it is. Inter- it, this is worth like a deeper dive. Like it is super interesting what the price points are at. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, how much E30s have gone up and what's out there, like they're pretty rough, right? Uh, the ones that you do find, um, or they're, you know, 12K plus. Um, yeah. And then you look over at the price of the E46, and then of course the E36 is right in the middle. I mean, if you're talking ten grand, that's like a super interesting spot for E30, E36 M3, and E46. And then when you get into E46, you can throw a few uh, weird ones in there, like you could do like a convertible M3 or something. Um, or uh, yeah, I don't know. BMWs are in a really BMW three series is a weird spot right now where everything's almost the same value. The desirable ones. 
Except for things like E30M3s, you know. Well, that's just out of the charts, right? Yeah. And E46 M3s. But as a daily driver, I mean, E46 yeah. is far safer than an E40. You know, if you think sort of practicality-wise, it'll probably get, you know, similar gas mileage or better out of an E46. They're far yeah. safer in a crash. They have better, you know, they're just a better car because they're more comfortable. You know, yeah. 25 years newer. Um, yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, to Art's point, yeah, E30 is more fun. Um, but an E46 is probably a better overall daily transportation device um and it or in the daily usability than it loses in the fun department in my opinion yeah like i'd have a zhp and, and the, in a second as a daily the zhp wow. is a good point because i think you're kind of close there you might find a high mileage well-maintained one for for 10 11 you know these days so that's a possibility Go and ahead, that's Riley. that's got the collectability part going for mm-hmm. it too um if you buy a zhp specifically then uh, you know, if you're just looking E46 330, the collectability is zero, but, uh, toss in a few extra grand for the ZHP and all of a sudden maybe you're on par with an E30 actually. Yeah. How's, okay. hey, Jason, you've driven both, I'm sure, but E30 or E3, E46 ZHP, um, how, how much better is that steering rack? A, a lot. I mean, here's the, the unfortunate thing is the only ZHP I've ever driven is an automatic. And I was so like, uh, yeah. when I got in it and I was so upset that it had an automatic on it. But then I was like, Ooh, 7,000 RPM redline is ZHP. I made it three feet and was like touching myself. It's, yeah. it's really good. And regular, cause I feel like I'd pay three racks. grand just for a, a sharper steering, you know? Um, I would do. And quicker the thing about E46s is that they were kind of all over the place. Early cars were kind of dead and steering and overboosted, and then they got too heavy, and then they fixed it towards the end. But I think ZHP really, if you look at total cost of ownership, um, you're probably better off owning a ZHP in the long term because of that collectability. If it's a thousand or two thousand bucks more, it'll probably be worth three or four thousand more when you're done putting a hundred thousand more miles on it. Um, and so your real cost yeah. is you got to lay it out to begin with if you can do it. Uh, but I think your, your money's better placed in a ZHP and it's the regular E46, even a non-sport pack is a wonderful car to drive, but sport pack fixed a lot of, you know, a lot of the like terrible seat issues and stuff like that. And then ZHP just fixed, turn it into the three series that we all dreamed that E46 should be. Okay. Moving on. Bobby Reed on YouTube is asking, would Jason ever rock a vintage mini truck? If so, which one? Vintage mini truck is in like the Isuzu Pup that I had for four years. Oh, there it is. That's probably the one. Actually, it's a pit-up. We've talked about this. Um, I, you know, old Tacomas are great looking. I kind of like old Nissan trucks are great. I'm not a huge truck person. I have a a new Tacoma outside my house right now, a press car with with a snorkel, and I think it's really great looking. I don't know why it needs a snorkel. Factory? Factory. Or it's TRD. It says TRD on it, but it's it's a press car. This is owned by Toyota Press. Um, But I like trucks. I don't really have any preference for one over the other because I just don't have that much experience with them. Hmm. Okay, so it's a pickup, a a Zuzu Pep, or no? Uh, Um... Let's see. Uh, Thomas Illich says, Jason, did you ever get your e-golf wheels sorted out? I think I'm going to put my stalkers back on and sell the thing, sadly. <gasps> Somebody's selling e-golf? All right. I have like 10 friends that want one right now. Um, <laughs> so I bought, so by way of explanation, I had a 2016 e-golf that I leased. And then at the end of the lease, I couldn't bear life without, uh, bear the thought of life without an e-golf. So I bought one. Um, and because I own it, the first thing I had to do was start modifying it. So the First thing I did was put 18-inch Saren wheels, which were the GTI Autobahn wheels from the Mark VI. Um, 
And I called Michelin and I was like, all right, so here's the deal. I kind of want Pilot Sport PS4Ss on this car. Um, but I kind of think that's stupid. Um, and I kind of think all Pilot Sport all season three pluses would be probably enough. Wait, why would it be stupid? Because of what it was going to do to range, which right. I had no idea. So, <laughs> yeah. so I wound up putting PS4Ss on my car and then PSAS3 pluses on my mom's golf. So my mom, I bought my mom a golf 1.8 turbo Wolfsburg and I bought two sets of used Sarens. Uh, thank you, Facebook marketplace and put one, gave her the all season three pluses and put the pilot sport for Ss on mine. So my car's rated EPA range at 125 miles and I was getting 140 plus basically in normal driving. And now I'm getting like 99, 98, 94. Whoa. So, but dang, that's dramatic. Yeah. Part of that could be AI went from, from 16 to 18s and the wheels are heavier, but heavier, heavier wheels don't make much of a difference in efficiency on electric cars. Weight overall is mostly irrelevant because you got to think about it this way. All of the electricity you use, you're turning into momentum. So you're propelling that car and that energy is now stored as momentum, which you can get back under regenerative braking. Um, so heavy wheels, there's obviously a loss in taking that energy out of the battery and then putting it back in, but it's relatively small. So I don't think the efficiency gain has, uh, the efficiency drop has anything to do with the weight of the wheels. I went from 205 width to 225 width. That'll make a difference. And then yeah. I went from an Eco Bridgestone EP422 Ecopias, which are a very low rolling resistance tire, to Pilot Sport 4Ss. So, I mean, uh, you know. Sticky and tire pressure, yes. right? Because yeah. the Ecopias are like 50 pounds or something. So the, the stock is 42 um, all around. Okay. Actually, I think it's 41 on the, the new car. They dropped it. But then, so I'm running GTI pressures, which I think are 39 and 40 somewhere in there. So I didn't change it all that no, much. Not, huh? yeah, that's the same. But here's the thing. So I put, you guys are hearing this first because I haven't published this yet, but I put the V-Box in the car and I went out and drove like an asshole. Uh, <clears throat> for science, I did a bunch of experiments. Um, and there's an on-ramp by my house that is admittedly very, very slightly banked. It's pretty level, um, but it drops two and a half stories and over a 270 degree um, run. And so I just kind of took it out and the car pulled so much grip the first time I, I did it that I genuinely was afraid I was going to have broken, like a, a ripped the wheel off, like scared the shit out of me. Like this can't possibly be right. Uh, put the V box in the car and it pulled 1.20 G over a five. Oh, and this isn't, we're not talking peak. So when we do skid pack, skid pad measurements, typically what we do is do a, a either a, a full 360 degree circle or we'll take like a three second window and say every magazine processes differently. Car and driver does, for example, 300 foot in diameter skid pad and it's one full lap. And that takes a couple seconds. So, you know, you, you get an initial spike, um, of grip and then the tires kind of get a little warm and things settle down and, and it reduces. And then after a full lap or something, it starts to fade off as the tires overheat and start to crumble. Um, mm. the 1.20 G average was over a five second window. So this is a long Dang. time. Um, so it takes out any peak, you know, weird peaks and, and whatever else. And I thought, well, that's bullshit. There's no way it's that much. And so then I did this big 90 degree left-hand turn right in front of a police station. That's by my house. But I did it late enough at night that no one was there. And, um, it was from turn in basically when the car settled until turn out, which was 1.9 seconds or 2.1 seconds. I think it was average 1.17. 
Uh, and I was like, okay, so this is like legit. I've yet to find, I've made my Instagram post about this because I've yet to find a 200 foot traffic circle that I can go to safely. Um, I found there's a 70 foot in radius traffic circle at, by my house that I did at three o'clock in the morning and it pulled 1.05. Um, so it's safe to say this car's skid pad grip is fucking outrageous with these tires. Yeah. They're unbelievable tires. Um, and so what I don't know is whether or how much of the degradation and range is coming from the fact that I'm driving like a complete maniac on this car. Cause I can pass right. everyone on the right. outside and the inside. Right. Like it's just, um, it's like driving, basically it pulls about as much grip as my E30 did, um, with my three degree negative camber alignment, um, on our compound tires. <laughs> so, um, so what I'm doing now is I just swapped over my, I gave my mom my e-golf wheels. Poor thing. She's such a trooper. And I'm doing a three-way scientific experiment. So I have three friends or two friends that are bringing their e-golfs over. One will be a completely stock e-golf. One will be mine, which is the pilot sport PS4S's. And the third will be the eight, those identical wheels, 18 inch Sarens with Pilot Sport all season three pluses. We'll charge all three cars. We'll go for, you know, an 80 or 90 mile drive. And then we'll charge nice. all three at the same time, either on uh, mm. simultaneously at like charge point or on my charger at home, um, which measures actual power going. So I'll see what mm. the final range hit actually is on a, on a, scientific basis but i think it's like that's cool 30, 40 and, and this guy forgot his uh instagram reviews what they Hashtag were called. Uh, <laughs> um, no th this is like this is good work right now because everybody and there's a lot of them who is jumping into an e-golf that's like they're immediately so fun to drive that that's the first thing you think of it's like oh my god just sticky tires on this thing what would it yeah. do and and yeah that's the a question that we haven't seen the answer to. And is, what it does is, is the car thing. is fucking un... I mean, I also flash mine so I can turn stability control off and it's neutral. Mm. I mean, it was un basically uncatchable Dang. on a back road before because of just how easy the car was to manage at the limit. And now, <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. So but, Jason, <laughs> when does, does aero come into play at all? Like, I know yeah. the wheels on the stock e-golf are... are for sure, more aerodynamic and, sure. you know, they're not letting all the air into the, the brakes mm -hmm. and stuff because they're not concerned about that. Do you think that has anything? All like of it's a factor. It? I mean, weight yeah. is a small factor. The, the, you know, rolling resistance of the tire and the wind resistance of the tire, um, because it's wider plus the aerodynamic, uh, qu uh quant, whatever. I can't think of. See, this is why I couldn't think of Camisa Verdict. <laughs> qualities, <laughs> aerodynamic qualities. Um, yeah, all of those things will factor in. And what I like about the experiment that I'm about to do is that the, the two modified cars have exactly the same wheels on them. So I'll, I'll be able to isolate just the difference between PS All Season 3s and PS4Ss. Um, and it may be that my mom's going to get a nice upgrade to <laughs> PS4Ss. Um, and I'll go to All Season 3 Pluses if I get half my range back. Because yeah. 40% is a big hit in range. Mm -hmm. Big, big hit. But oh, we'll see. Either way. Okay. Yeah. When, um, I said, when I had my e-golf, I, I happened to have these uh, lightweight old Mercedes wheels. So it was like the 14-inch. Uh, they looked like steel wheels, uh, but uh, they were for the W123s. Um, and they were made out of aluminum just because I think it was an effort by Mercedes to try to lighten up the wheels as much as they could because the cars were so slow as for the diesels. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, they're kind of desirable wheels, but I, I had a couple sets of these aluminum ones. It's the same bolt pattern as the, as the e-golf. Uh, but they were 14s and I never, I just never went through the trouble, but I was thinking like, man, if I could, 
throw these things on. If 14s fit over the brakes, and who knows with all the regen stuff, I, I just have no idea. I didn't look behind. Uh, and then throw some Falcon Azenus, the RT615s or whatever, because I know just because I know those are in 14s. I, I don't know what Michelin does at that size. Um, nothing, nothing. You know, that would be just a super light, tiny, compact wheel. You could even lower it. I have a theory too that if you do stiffer suspension, that's going to be better for uh, mileage effectively because you don't have to slow down as much in the corners, so you're less acceleration deceleration. You can get you're not no, buying no, no. adjacent. I don't, I don't know. Look, about lowering the, the car either, will reduce its drag coefficient, and stiffer suspension should actually make the car more efficient because you're losing yeah. momentum every time the shock absorber. And they, they yeah. do heat up after a while on a bumpy back road. So technically. Well, and if right. you have to brake for the turn yeah. and then accelerate after, that's, you're losing. But there, that's partially offset by scrub on the tires. So your tires are at their most efficient going straight ahead. And the more lateral load, the more, the closer they are to their limit, the more hmm. inefficient they are. But you're right in that the best thing to do would be to carry the same amount of speed because you could regen going into the corners. It gets it's some of it. Right? Yeah. yeah, I bet you're right, but I bet it's probably not as much of a, a factor yeah. as some of the other ones. But okay, um, I think we've covered this before, but we could do a quick roundtable. Uh, Roger Allen on YouTube says uh, E46 M3 versus 996. They're about the same price these days, and both maintenance nightmares. <laughs> we got that right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah, that was a big comparo when they came out too. Yeah, that's funny. Here we um, are again. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm so out so, on 996 these days with just I mean forget the IMS, just all the block chunking and cylinder lining issues that they have. Like, I just can't mess with that. You know, it's it's too risky for me. It's um, not worth it. E46. I know have the rod bearing issues or whatever, but you know, it, and there's less less there, and a lot of and them were dealt with. And you take care of, you know, and also, but all that stuff, a Vanos overhaul versus an engine rebuild yeah, and a 996. I'm, I'm totally <laughs> with you. Um, yeah. I think a 996 system. is going to be a better driving car, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a 911, you know, I mean, but I just, it's too risky for me. I can't, I can't hang. So let me throw this, uh, piece of info out. Uh, I think so motor for a 996, I think if you throw $20,000 at it, that you're good. Like nope. this is basically roughly the, nope. the Patrick you're not, one. You're not. He's blown. Well, well, let's just. I don't want to say how many he's blown, but let's just say it's, <laughs> it's not more just than one. one. Yeah. Here's, so, here's no, my no, thing: no, no. as much as the S54 has problems, all you have to yeah. do is preventatively do rod bearings and preventatively do Venus rebuilds. And, and you and put bolts. the later rod bearings in, and you're pretty good. Like, like I think I feel like the the BMW is fixable. The 996 is not fixable, right. short of getting a GT3 motor and putting that in. Um, That'd fix it. You know, a real Metzger, Metzger motor. But you the 996 is definitely a better driving car if you're looking at, um, you know, which one you want to drive on a back road. That's why the answer to that question is E36 M3 with some suspension stuff on it. That's right. It's, true. Yeah. it's kind of always <laughs> the answer. com forward slash DWA. Uh, Heel and Toe Apparel has been our longest supporter of the DWA podcast, and we're super stoked to have them on board. They make all of our shirts for the rallies, and uh, you couldn't ask for cozier shirts for snuggling up with a bunch of people on a rally. Uh, what do you think, Art? 
Yeah, I agree. And I, I really appreciate that he's a hardcore car guy. He really has a ton of variety of cool. We've talked about it. It's like nerdy, but cool designs, right? They're not so geeky that you don't want to throw them on. And it's just like some stupid quote or something. It's like, it's actually like cool, simple graphics. Like there's the traction control off button. There's the, um, no limits. No limits is my favorite. I love that design. It's such a great design for the Nurburgring. Uh, and I really like his five speed, uh, shift gate pattern. You know, yep. he, he ha- for a while was really pushing the, the six speed, but then also launched the five speed, which is really cool because that is kind of more in our wheelhouse. You know, we drive some of these old school cars that, that only had five gears. Some of us for four. sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And, uh, he's definitely, uh, a big supporter of us, which is an easy way for you to help us as a listener, uh, support the people that support us. Right. So, uh, definitely encourage folks to go and check out heel and apparel.com forward slash DWA for a discount. And I just saw he's offering first class free first class shipping for orders over 50 bucks too, which is pretty sweet. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. He's, they're, they're so good. And, um, all their shirts are like the highest quality. He doesn't skimp on every, anything. They're all water-based prints, which makes the graphics super smooth and, you know, not all rough and plasticky and, uh, just really good products with really clean, nice designs. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm just super stoked on them as is the, I think our whole community and people like Henry Catchpole who wear them, you know, is wearing a heel and toe shirt in the newest Carfection video where he drives the M3 CSL manual conversion. That's awesome. And he rocks that in the, in the other, what is that one? Uh, the GT3? Yeah, I think video? it's the GT3 touring or the GT3 manual. It's just a, it's basically talking about how good a manual transmission is and how important it is, right? Exactly. And, and this is, part of that whole thing right it's it's yeah. the, the community the culture behind all of this old school radness um i also wanted to mention his variety of hats i mean if you're a dad hat guy he's got you covered if you want trucker hats if you want everything he, he's got the Flat cool beanie bill. he has a standard kind of more yeah more standard hat he has cool beanie dawn patrol beanie super Dude, cool look, talk about cozy that thing looks pretty warm yeah yeah for sure um yeah so go check him out heel and toe apparel.com forward slash DWA and use the code DWA at checkout to get 20% off your order. Uh, Drew Greenslate, what's up, Drew, says, can we please take a moment to pour out some fuel for Jason's dearly departed miles per gallon meter in his E30 touring? Good night, <laughs> sweet prince. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you put in, what is it, an oil temp sensor? I, I yeah. freaking love that mod, by the Thank way. Thank you. That's it amazing. took me 12 years to find an E30 M3 cluster. <laughs> I have had eBay searches. I, and, and no matter what I do, when I try to, by the time I try to buy it, it's gone. And so my buddy, Bill Arnold, who owns a BMW shop, found one in his warehouse that he had been telling me for a decade that he had. Um, and so I, uh, so in the tachometers of 325Is and all the E30s and non M3s, it's got a little vacuum operated like mile per gallon gauge. Um, and I want oil temp. It's, you know, this is my track car and this is the most important thing for me to know. Um, so I was kind of told it couldn't be done. So I had to do it. And I finally put, I replaced that MPG meter with an oil temp gauge with the correct color gauge, uh, gauge face and the correct color needle. And it was like 12 hours of hell to do, run the wiring so perfectly cleanly that even Dang. Bill couldn't see it, uh, when he looked under the hood initially. So, mm, oil temp for the win. 
Well done. That's a good, great mod. It's really, really cool. It was, and I. What are you, how are you going to know what miles per gallon you're getting now? I mean, that was. I'll so find useful. out when I get gas. <laughs> <laughs> that thing's just like what? It's so worthless. Yeah, it's, and it's kind of so nice. Worthless. It's, it's up it's until quirky. like like 2010 or something. I don't even know when they stopped you know, doing. This. Back in the day, they were cool. And the other thing that's cool is you can make sure that your fuel cut is like your throttle position switch is working because when you you know uh, go off, it goes to absolute zero instead of just. Take. I guess so. There are little benefits to it, but far outweighed yeah. by the fact that I could be cooking my oil every time I'm on a back road and I have no idea. I so I have one in my E46, and if uh uh. If I listen very carefully, I can actually hear some noise behind it. It's the weirdest freaking thing. If I am like cruising at a regular speed and I just dip in the throttle and it moves a little bit, it's like, psh, hmm, psh. Is it probably it's like really, a, a dead crazy. spider in there or something? Yeah, it's maybe. A maybe, yeah, maybe stuck yeah, in yeah, the it's a little tiny yeah. stepper motor. It's just a little motor that's moving the thing back and forth. So. Um, Jason, mm. this is from Che Core on our Instagram. <clears throat> he says, uh, has your outspoken yet wholly deserved style of review of any car gotten you in hot water with a manufacturer? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How bad, how bad though? Uh, I got a phone call at, when I was at automobile saying that it was a good thing I wasn't in Europe or I might have been paid a personal visit, uh, by someone, high ranking person at the Volkswagen group. Um, oh, I, gave, <laughs> I gave a review so harsh on a Bentley that I was banned from driving a Bentley for five years. Um, oh. part of it is that you, the best thing you could ever do is give a PR person a heads up, like, Hey, FYI, I'm going to slam the shit out of your car. And then they <laughs> go and they warn everyone, but I didn't, I was relatively green in the business and I didn't, know that and this was a bentley, bentley conti it was a continental gt speed so it was like the last of the first generation continentals and they made a couple of fuck ups first of all the car's good i mean the cars you know did exactly what it said it should but they told us that they had um they had already taken deposits non-refundable deposits for all of the cars and they were all sold and then mm. they showed the car's replacement, the second generation Continental at Geneva before those first cars were even delivered. And I thought that was just really disingenuous. Like, don't show the car's replacement before you even deliver the ones that you have non-refundable deposits on, number one. Right. <laughs> number two, then they told us, they're like, well, our customers, and this was in like 08, 09. This is like when the world is completely imploding. Um, and they're like, our customers keep our cars an average of six months. And I was like... <laughs> Huh? And what? they're like, yeah, they, we have to give <laughs> so them something. Hard Cervantes. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. um, they're like, we have to give them something to upgrade to or they're just going to defect to another brand. And I'm like, well, so make a fucking car that's compelling enough to keep the, keep their attention. But that's a different story. And so I'm like, so basically they're like, basically our customers are Los Angeles based people who are like, I'm going to buy the next most expensive thing. So we start out with the cheap one and we just add all these expensive packages culminating in the speed. And so my review was half of the car and half, not half, 20% about the people who bought them um, and how that they were just nouveau riche assholes trying to show off and out, out Jones each other. <laughs> and I found that offensive and I found it, you know, equally offensive that Bentley was taking their money and not, you know, before, the, while they've already shown the replacement. And I just found the whole thing disgusting. And then I made fun of it for having, so, for being 5,600 pounds and having like manually adjustable seats because, you know, that's like, Oh, this is what I used to do before I got rich. <laughs> So I just slammed the car and they were not happy with me. 
Were you bummed by that? Or were you like proud? Like, what was your feeling? Was like, oh, fuck, I fucked up. You know, I was upset that the PR person was so upset with me and she was violent. And she did not speak to me for years. I was, I wasn't allowed on their stand at the, at the car shows. She didn't speak to me. I mean, it was just, it was bad. And of course, I don't want to hurt anyone ever. Like, if I give a, giving a, let me put it this way. The hardest thing for me to ever do is to give a car a bad review because it's someone's baby. And somebody's, poured their blood, sweat and tears into something. And here I come and I'm like, well, you fucked up. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems like it would be fun on the outside to slam a car, but really it's terrible because of the people involved. And typically what happens is in most cases, the people involved know that the car isn't what it should be. Um, and sometimes they actually appreciate that really harsh feedback because they can give it to their boss and be like, I told you. Um, but typically they're working on either the wrong set of information or the, the wrong target or what I think is the wrong target. Like, hey, you know, like maybe a Bentley should be a compelling car. And they're thinking of let's sell more of them. Right. And so uh, we have a difference in philosophy. Um, but either way, it hurts people. And that sucks. That's no fun. Yeah. Uh, why Mez, uh, threw down five bucks on YouTube to ask this. It seems like a BMW, uh, show today, but he just wants to know, uh, everyone's thoughts on buying a Z4M over an E46 M3 as a weekend car. Are there any downsides to the Z4M other than practicality? Rod Berg's as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Which motor is that? Uh, they, they came in, wait, Z4M. Z4M was an S54. Yeah. N54? Yes. S54. Like from- S54. So same engine as the M3 would have been. Same as the M3. Really? Yeah. yeah. But um, Z- don't you think the M3 is a better car in but for the almost weekend? every way? Well, I mean, the, the Z3, Z4M isn't a convertible or anything. I mean, what makes it better for the weekend? It's a convert. Z4M would be the, the second gen convertible. He's looking at convertible or is he looking at the coupe? I, 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 I default to coupe, I guess, when I, yeah, it doesn't specify, but I mean, other than, uh, let's just talk about driving dynamics. I mean, the M3 is more polished. Um, Z4 is also, fun though. I mean, I spun a couple yeah. of them. They are a little bit of a handful at the limit. It's like limit. sloppy, right? Yeah. It's, it's a, like the, they call it the German Viper and stuff. Yeah. And, you sit on yeah. the, like on the back axle. And so by the time you figure out that you're about to go around too late and they're, yeah. I mean, they're kind of cool. They, they're, I like them. I, I like think Z4Ms. aesthetically, I, I would go for that over a standard E46. Same, same here. Uh, Me too. And it's more special. They're I mean, E46 yeah. is a great car, but that's another thing too in the long yeah. run. I mean, we talked about collectability a little bit, but I think it's, it's definitely more special. It, it will hold its value better in the long run. Um, unless the E46 N3 is one of the latest. It's a CSL or a Perfect. ZCP, you know, yeah. whatever. And to quote you guys, they stink like a Louisiana person. What's it called? A sense of scent. Sense, sense of, of occasion. That's right. That's it. Yeah, more, That's it. far more so in a Z4 than in a I'm going E46 all the way on that one. That's because you're wrong. Yeah, well, you probably fit better in that too. Well, they're they're I I don't I don't know about the value thing either. Z4s haven't like haven't been super valuable or known to but be. But Z4Ms are pretty pretty. They hold their value really well. Yeah, I've but same them. with M3E46s. I mean, but there's way more to crazy from, money. M3s have way more out there. But I feel like they're more tattered for the most part. You're gonna M3s? like to find a good one. You have to yeah, that's search true. far and wide. Yeah, um, and, and they are they're going up in value pretty yeah, pretty good pretty right rapidly. Now. I think it's a more classically uh, styled car, better. Oh, for I sure. I I'm not into bangle. Yeah, so, right. if you're not you know, that flame flare. surfacing is not my my thing. And yeah. I'm so disappointed too, just because the Z3 
coupe was such a rad design and then the z4 they just totally tame got tame with it like you don't get the bubble back or anything which which uh hey you do no you don't are, are you talking about coupe or the, uh, hips or what do you mean i mean a z4m yeah. is flared uh no, I'm talking about the back, but I, I'm now I'm like memories going. Oh, because it's not as much of like did. a shooting break. It's more. Yeah, of a you coupe. don't. Yeah, you don't get the bubble back on the. Yeah, you call uh, it a bubble back. Yeah, <laughs> okay. the bubble. So I think that's where lost, I think flares. that's where it was lost in translation. <laughs> yeah, I, um, take, I take credit. It's for a classic that. bubble back. We all yeah, know yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's no bubble to that back, but I understand <laughs> what you're saying. And bubbles got back, which is nice. I'm just trying to find some way to avoid saying shooting break, which I just hate saying now with you guys. Weird breaky, topic. Breaky shoots, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> when we started we talking about shooting break Audi Foxes last podcast, and now I'm like a little sensitive to it. And yeah, we're about to talk about Safari thing. 911s and all of it. Um, okay. Anyways, I, you know, like it was such a unique, bold shape with uh, the Z3M coupe. Yeah. I, and I, which I loved, especially the back. The front is a little weird, but, um, and then totally lost in the Z4. So well, they I, made I actually, it better. They did make it. Uh, cl- better looking, right? It's probably uh, better classic, looking like, overall, proportion, but le- proportionally and everything. Yeah, uh, it's less polarizing, which I don't like. Yeah, ah, less special, and, I guess. You know, one thing. So I was looking up the Z4s. I was kind of interested at at one point in time. I was looking at like one uh one twenty eights and and other random stuff. And so Z4 came to mind. I was like, oh yeah, well, what about that? Like, is that good at, in any way? And I think. Uh, when they came out, they were comparing them to, um, the, uh, Caymans. Um, yeah, and they just they got, were. well, they can't everybody, even touch every, those, dude. Everybody so, hated the Z4, but here's right. what, here's the thing. It awful feels seats, like awful seats. Z4 is the worst seats ever. They um, were talking about turn in and all of this stuff. Yeah. And it was, I, they were items where I was like, man, that's like super, that's super easy to tune out. Like that could just be the factory alignment you're also dealing with once you any enthusiast if you compare like an enthusiast alignment and maybe the right tire choice uh like size wise for both cars maybe that would be a better comparison i don't know but do the same thing to the cayman you'll have even sharper right it's like um bmws are known for their sharp steering and and uh and quick turn in and porsches kind of are well, yeah, but so, as, as Camisa just said, the, weight distribution, right? A mid-engine car is always going to have, you know, a, you know, you're talking about a lighter front end uh, with usually a um, narrower cross section with tire that's going to give you lighter, more precise, sharper steering, um, um, versus a, a car with a gigantic six in the front, right? Like, and you're sitting way far back. Like, there's all these different factors. Um, but I think, yeah, overall, I do remember that comparison. And it was usually Z4M Boxster S that I saw. And like, yeah, yeah the Boxster S always won everything, Trust like it. braking, uh, you know, handling, performance, everything. I mean, you had it, but as Lane mentioned earlier, the Z4M, they well, kind of just said it was more of a kind of a hot rod, kind of a hoony type of car. It's, like, it's more of like a, a weekend touring car as opposed to the Porsche where you can, you can like pound out times, right? Or Here, I mean, Here's whatever. the thing. I, I, now I'm old enough that I was there and I did those comparison tests, which is fucking horrifying. Um, you know, <laughs> if you drove a BMW, if you drove the Z4 without ever driving a Porsche right back to back, you could say, well, it's a fine sports car experience. But then you get into the Porsches and they felt 2,000 pounds lighter. I mean, BMW has never made, let me think about this, a good sports car that that compared favorably to to a Porsche. They're they're no. based on they always feel they're always heavier because they're based on much larger, bigger cars to begin with. And then they feel 
like everything's coated in rubber by comparison. And that was it. Like you got out of a Z4 and you got into a Porsche and you're seating, you're, you're sitting at the center of gravity of the car versus that weird seating position in the Z4. Um, and the car is just, it's, I mean, it was a lot lighter, but it felt five times lighter than it really was. And you get that Porsche magic that was sprinkled on it and you're dealing with, but you're dealing with a car that's, you know, effectively a $38,000 component set for like, you know, a three series in a convertible versus a car that is a component set for a 911. I mean, one of them is a purpose built sports car from top to bottom. And the other one is a vaguely sedan built or sedan, you know, based thing. And it's just never going to compete. So if you, you know, if you don't want the incredible sharpness and, you know, if that's not what's important to you, you just want to have a weekend drop top or, or, you know, or whether it's convertible or not, like sports car experience, they're fine, but they just, when you get them on track, there's just, it's nine day. It's nine day. Yeah. Although and again, nine, eight, six boxsters, oh wait, eight, nine, eight, seven boxsters nine, seven also have First uh, IMS issues. So <laughs> yep. that's another thing. Yeah. But at that price point, you're looking at a second gen or, or even a nine, eight, one. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I always remember uh Beamer magazine had a, uh, <laughs> they had a cross, it was like a Comparo and it was a cross with excellence. So e- they, they did like a cross comparison of each car and Beamer magazine drove the Z4M and then they were at a press con, you know, it was like a press release for the car or whatever. And they're like, well, how about, what do you guys think about the box? Like, are you guys scared of the boxster? And they go, we know something about making sports cars. And they go, and then the the Beamer, it was a bag Beamer magazine article. And they go, well, apparently not, not as much as Porsche. Yeah. You know, that was kind of like the, the synapse of, of what they said, you know, it was like, I, I don't know. I always kind of feel that you drive an E46 M3 and it feel it feels like a six thousand pound car compared to a 996. So tell me um, one sports car that BMW's ever made that's great. E31 was a great Grand Tour, the eight series. Z3, the M1. M1 was <laughs> M1. built by Lamborghini, but oh, really? it has a BMW badge on it, so yep. I don't know. It's, and it's still not even BMW that motor. competitive. No. I mean, it is as a full sports car, but as yeah. a full race car, but not as a street car. I mean. You know, it was quick enough. Yeah. It did everything well enough, but that's, that's really exceptional because all one. the engineering was done by Lamborghini anyway. But you know, BMW's yeah. in-house stuff, like Z1, cool, cool car. I would totally rock one. But it's just an E30. That's an E30. Um, yeah. Z3, E36 front, E30 back. E- Z4, Z8. I mean, they've just, they can't, current Z4. Oh, fuck. No, they just completely well, don't understand the, the. But don't you think they made the right move? Cause they couldn't, they couldn't compete. So they were like, all right, we're just going to make it into a grant, a touring car. Yeah, and tell, we're going to let they tell the, the female, sorry, females design it by a committee. Basically is what they did. That was the last one, which was a complete okay. failure. So yeah, the last yeah. one's a complete failure. The current one is a great looking car in its proportions. If you start looking closely at it, it's a little weird, but it's no, just the front end, dude. Are you, are you talking? <laughs> oh man. I actually think the Supra is a better looking car, which is a crazy thing to say. Mark likes the Supra, Jason. Uh, I'll fight anyone about that. The new Z4 oh, yeah, is it, so dude. weird looking. The front end is so bizarre. I, I can't handle it. But the Supra it's, has a penis. It literally has a penis. <laughs> Hey, what, just, pe- what are you saying? Penises are ugly? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, you're, I'm not getting involved in this conversation. I'm not weird. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. However, I will say, the, yeah, you can you can definitely talk about the Z4's looks. The proportions are amazing. It screams sports car, and then you get in it, and it fucking sucks to drive. 
sucks. Yeah, it sucks. And it's it's, look, it's very capable. Like it'll lay down great skip yeah. pad numbers, great acceleration numbers, great braking numbers. It will haul copious amounts of ass on a back road. So why is it so bad? And because it gives you absolutely no pleasure at all. None. <laughs> Do they make a manual? Do they make a manual nope. for it? They just don't understand BMW at this point in the history of that company. They just do not understand how to make something fun. They don't care. They just want to make it, you know, this is 2% more efficient than the previous version with more dynamism and whatever. Fuck what? I I just want to have fun. That's weird too, because I didn't know Schwarzenegger was making cars. That's a different voice. <laughs> That's Austrian, you asshole. That sounds like a like a sex change uh, woman or something. Hi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My name is exactly. Luanda Torx. <laughs> I perform uh, weekly um, on RuPaul's Drag Race. Anyway, what? Oh, and Brian. Brian, Brian must have just walked in like, what the? Fuck? Also, has a baby with him. I didn't really get that. Uh, he has uh, a doll. Uh, Good luck, Good luck with that. <laughs> Jay Palau13 says, if you couldn't live in Northern California, any other U.S. location with quality and quantity of twisty roads, that would be a top pick. Wait, so Northern California. So Southern California is allowed. I guess so. Yeah, but then you have to live Utah. in Southern California. Well, Utah. Yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah, you you're down with weather. Utah. Huh? You're down with some snow. Colorado. I can I can do high desert. I can deal with high desert, and they have amazing roads and a lot of space and beauty. I was gonna cheat about- and say if we can stay in California, I would do like Malibu or something so that I have access Boo. to the canyons and, and I want access to an international airport easily. And your Santa Monica right there, you know, I know Solid it's not Santa Monica proper, but um, what about what about uh, like. Uh, is there anything like Atlanta, like all dirt roads out there? There's some good north. <laughs> dirt roads. There's some good roads <laughs> north of Atlanta. I'm sure there's north of Atlanta. Good tracks. Atlanta Motorsports Park, but you get yeah. eaten by mosquitoes and dude, Colorado. Yeah. It's so hot. Colorado. 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 I would say Albuquerque, New Mexico, if I have to leave California. Have you been there? Yes. Like for driving, driving well, yeah, all of the four corners area. You're right near there. Yeah, um, but you have you're, to have turbocharged everything. You're not near the four corners in Albuquerque. Just all of the north, immediately north, all mountain Santa Fe. roads, Santa all, Fe. Twist, all twisty mountain roads, Santa Fe. Too, and you're closer to Phoenix if you need to get out of there. Too oh, Washington or Oregon. I mean, there's too some good rainy. stuff up there. Too rainy. I heard there's and terrible the cops, cops are kind of gnarly. The cops are gnarly, but I think you can get out of that. You can get outside of that, like where Chris Harrell lives and stuff. Is that true? I don't know. That is just across the board. It's wet. It's really wet. I don't want that. Freezing fog, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, um, Jason, where are you at? Where are you moving to outside of California? I'm not going to, to Santa Fe or Albuquerque because they're like 9,400 miles of elevation, and so all the cars have to be turbocharged, so everything sucks because it's slow. I'm not going to <laughs> Seattle. 9,400? Because they're all – the further you go north <laughs> in California on the west coast – the, yes, 9,400 miles. The further you go north, the nicer people get. And fuck that. I hate nice people. I don't like I know. All. Like, even San Francisco. The, ugh. Dude, they get slow. Jason, you need to go back to Newark or like Brooklyn. New York I'm from Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Right. I know, but I'm saying some fucking just 
a bunch of asshole people. fucking Jersey City. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to get some fucking ass. Everyone, listen, this, the one good thing about the lockdown is that the, you know, all the scared Northern California people are off the road. You have all the, the East Coast transplants are like, this is fucking great. We're going to go for a drive. We're going to do 120 miles an hour wherever we go. Everyone's maniacal, which is really nice. Well, you heard the stat about all the over 100 mile an hour, um, tickets that the CHP has been giving. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. But I would. So you're saying Santa Fe is at ninety nine thousand four hundred feet miles? <laughs> no, no, no nine thousand four hundred miles of elevation. No, they're like they're five thousand, right? Something like that. Four, yeah. five, six thousand, like up there yeah. enough that cars are slow. Yeah, that's pretty high <laughs> up. Slow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and process of elimination, we're definitely not doing Florida. No, oh God, no, no Florida. Florida is probably the worst. Pittsburgh isn't bad because you do get enough, just enough snow in the mountains, uh, like southeast of the city of Pittsburgh that you can have some fun snow stuff. But yeah, yeah that's actually a pretty good point. Warren was bringing up weather as a bad thing, but, uh, yeah, like doing some, doing some snow, snow donuts is, is not a bad thing. Yep. And it's mountainous, unlike right. Detroit, which gets more snow, but is hell on earth. Yeah. Right. Geographically. Yes. Yes. People like Kentucky um, and Tennessee. The roads are unbelievable. Yeah. I've heard that too. Um, and what yeah. about the, uh, like Blue Ridge Expressway or which one? What's that's that the West one? Virginia crazy. Uh, I think it's like in the Carolinas, uh, between kind of on the way to the Tail of the Dragon. There's all that the roads zone. around there. Are, by the way, the Tail of the Dragon is like a six out of 10 compared to our normal roads. Um, but the roads, some roads around there are even better. They're really good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. I'm just out at humidity and extreme weather. So, um, humidity in the South, like Tennessee, Memphis, or, or whatever. Art, they would take one look at your Mexican looking self and shoot you. So you can't even. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I don't even have a chance yet. Nope. So why even, why even consider it, right? You need to have like a, an Aryan decoy with you at all times, uh, to That's not right. get shot. Aryan decoy. That's called Lane. That's <laughs> <laughs> shave his head. He'd have to grow a beard and look a little bit. Yeah. But you could work. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Um, that is a tough question, though. I mean, we're we're obviously spoiled in Northern California for roads, for climate. Uh, there's no bugs, things like that. You know, it's it's know the most expensive uh, place in the United States to live, but it's worth it. Yeah, if you're exactly. for, if if the things that are important to you are are what this place offers, and that's why I would yeah. rather be poor here than you know make a decent living rich somewhere in, else rich in tennessee i agree and i think all of us here including brian who stepped away here for a second um we have epic roads within five miles six miles right from our house like really really nice quarter mile yeah i mean half a quarter mile, mile yeah. Yeah. yeah um richard chen says jason name one automotive component that you wish all drivers would learn more about and appreciate more besides tires Oh, Rich is such an asshole for asking me the question because it's a good question. <laughs> it um, is a good question. Any, any new you'd say tires, dude. We'd all say tires. He's right. right? Because that's totally. the, you know, it's one thing everyone cheaps out on. And there's literally one thing touching the ground. Like, don't cheap yeah. out on the tires. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something that people would understand more about. Should, is this enthusiast specific, you think, or all drivers? I don't know. Because what what I want to say is lane discipline, but that's not a part of a car. That's, you know, like learn how to operate oh, your machinery geez. properly is the thing that I would say. But a component, yeah. um, clutch pedal. 
Mm. And not just because I think everyone should learn how to drive a manual, but I think most of the people that I know anyway who drive manuals don't really know what they're doing and they don't I, – I, I, that, that came out wrong. They They are not – when you watch them drive, you understand very quickly. They don't really understand what's happening. They know how to go through the motions and they can make a shift and they can make the car work. But there's a finesse and an art form that's lacking because they don't quite understand what's happening. And I would love to see more enthusiasts understand what's happening on the on the other side of that pedal and the other side of the gear lever, um, which would make them that much better of a driver. So, Okay. I think that's a good, good that's answer. That's a really good answer. question, though. I was going to say brakes. Why? I don't know. People just, <laughs> I don't know. People just kind of take them for granted. <laughs> they're, they're the most overlooked. No, yeah, it's, it's hard. That's what I was thinking enthusiasts, right? Cause if a lot of people will say like, Oh man, I, I took this to the track and it was a disaster. And it's like brake fluid, brake pads, you know, like, yeah. you know, but yeah. it's, it's a very specific scenario that that's kind of required. You know, of course, a grabby or more aggressive brake compound is going to give you more aggressive braking. That's maybe not a good thing for daily driving. So, I mean, in terms of the bite, right. And all that. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I was trying to, I was trying to think of <laughs> Brian is what feeding his child is right now. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be great for people who are watching the podcast. This doesn't happen all the time, but, uh, it's helping right now. So <laughs> yeah, people just hope this works. Who are just going to watch the podcast and are watching this live uh, and right. don't have a video feed are just going to hear in the background and not know what the hell's going on. Yeah. yeah. Well, luckily it's, we're hearing it cause it's through his headset, but he doesn't have the mic, uh, for the podcast. So ah. anyhow, um, dark facts says, since I can't find the Camisa review or wait, no Camisa verdict. verdict. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, focus RS review anywhere online. Can you give me a quick review and opinion on this car now? I'm on the verge of buying a very low mileage unmodified RS. It will never be used to commute, just a night and weekend car. And night. before you answer, Jason, uh, why, why don't you just make a web, a simple website that lists them all out in order and has a link over to the Instagram page? Because that would be too easy and make far okay. too much sense. Yeah, I should that do that. Sense. I should do that. That's I wish I had time to do that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, you yeah. talked about doing that on a on a past we podcast, could, actually. Right, and I have all, I have personal copies of all the old Motor Trend videos that have now been taken down off of YouTube. And um, what I should do is lo- go and locate them and find because some of them actually live on MotorTrend.com. Like if you just go to the review of that car, they're sort of embedded. Um, but I really should have an aggregate website. Um, okay, first things first. If you're looking at a Ford Focus RS as an occasional use car, I think you can do better than that. Um, wrong car. It's dude. the wrong car. I mean, as a daily driver, that's fun as hell. Absolutely. It's practical. It's got a decent sized back seat, a good sized trunk. It's comfortable. It's got great seats. Um, wait, wait, comfortable? Isn't the ride like right Okay, I was just going to say, you stopped me in time. <laughs> if you have a large chest, you're going to hit yourself in the face with your tits. Uh, cause it rides like there are sand in the damp- dampers. And then if you put it in sport mode, you'll smash your head on the, on the ceiling as you're being knocked unconscious by your big tits. I mean, it's just the, the ride is completely and totally unacceptable, but the car is fun. It's genuinely one of the few modern cars that has a personality and, um, is fun and just is, is a good time. But I would think of a less practical form factor. If you don't need the car for practical things, a less practical form factor just kind of says, like, go get an Elise. 
that's, you know, yeah. like, you know, probably about the same price or go get something that's genuinely in a different league of compromised fun. Like it's not going to be great for going grocery shopping, but it's going to be unbelievable to drive. Exactly. And maybe I agree. Yeah. You don't need you. Yeah. Like get a, get the most compromised fun car you can. Right. Right. Like why, why are you, why are you getting a car that like is compromising the fun stuff for practicality if you're only using it for those occasions. Here's the thing. The amount of money that you'll still spend in depreciation alone on a Focus RS would, if you look at the true cost of ownership for three, for the next three years, you are better off. You will, it will be cheaper to own a Ferrari 308 than it would to, you know, that just has a belt service than it would to, to drive a Focus RS. And there's nothing wrong with the RS. The RS makes a great driver's car. But I zoom out and say the amount of money you're going to spend on that, just go buy a go buy something epic um, for that kind of money. Yeah, agree. agree. Um, Kurt K. Photo says, in the age of social media, are high end TV productions still viable? I love Top Gear and the Grand Tour, the Asimi vids and Motor Trend TV stuff, but social media platforms have put beginner and semi-pro people out there providing free stuff that require no subscriptions and have decent enough quality to be interesting. Seems like a tough market. Jason, thoughts? I wonder the same thing. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, I think that Netflix has shown that there is definitely a space for incredibly high production value stuff. And this is outside of the car space. Netflix and Amazon, um, you know, they're spending tons of money making amazing content and people love it. And people see the difference between crap reality television and Game of Thrones or, you know, any of the Netflix original stuff that's really great. I, I think right now there is nothing compelling in the automotive space that's high quality. And so people are saying, well, no one wants anything that's high quality because if we make it, they don't watch it. Um, and, but people don't watch it because it sucks. Uh, and like yeah. Netflix's car stuff just sucked. Um, and it wasn't yeah. particularly high quality, but it was better than anything. On the flip side of it, you have to look at raw numbers. I mean, I did, uh, I did a, what I would consider the, as close as you can get to top gear quality on YouTube, uh, video on the GT500 for you see me. Um, so here I had a, a Mustang GT500. I brought in in 812 super fast and drag raced against that plus a Hellcat. Plus we drag, we raced it against a GT3 RS with Randy Popes. I mean, we pulled out all the stops and did an incredible, what I think turned out to be an incredible production. And Doug fucking Demuro stands in front of the air and gives it a fucking gag score and nothing against Doug, but fuck you. He got more views than I did. <laughs> and nothing against him, but fuck you. No, but I hear you. It's frustrating. No, it's Total. so frustrating, dude, but it is the way it, it's just what's happening. Right. And it sucks, dude, because your video, that video was so fun. It was, it was awesome. And yeah, uh, we got to see Derek with the shirt off, you know, waving his, yeah, that his was flag. The worst part. Um, <laughs> um, but, and, and you're right. Like the, you know, Doug, I'll talk about the uh, quirks and features for for 20 minutes with no production value why, at all. Why is that? Is it just like easier to watch? Or yeah, something? I, I don't I don't find amusement like I'm, I don't find it fun to watch. But I know obviously millions of people do. Mm, here we go. I think we've we've stumbled on the real problem when you use view counts as the only metric of success. Um, yeah. you're you've already failed to to to, to judge things properly. 
Yeah, sure. Doug got, you know, 500 bazillion views, but most of them were with, you know, with somebody on somebody's TV or phone while they're playing a video game, while they're half paying attention. Um, and they're not really engaged with, with the, that product in the same way that someone would a top gear segment and a nine minute top gear, a seven minute top gear segment on the car. Um, but I think right now social media is set up just to reward view count and not interaction and not what people really genuinely like. I mean, if I look at the number of minutes, so on the YouTube side, I can look at actual engagement. I can look at the number of people who've liked a video, who've commented on the video, but more important to me is how many minutes the average person sat through that video. Um, and I think our video wound up being, it was way longer than it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be like 11 minutes and it wound up being 20. And I think the average person sat through 13 and a half minutes of that. Um, and so to have the average viewer at 13 minutes of a 20 minute product is unheard of on YouTube. And that's because we kept having different chapters, right? So we had the drag race and we had Derek rip his shirt off. And then, you know, it's a sort of constant change of pace and constant visual changes. Um, that's a very different kind of audience than someone who's playing video games and playing Doug in the background. And I, I mean this when I say nothing against Doug, he's figured out uh, something that really makes sense. And if I don't ever get a chance to see a McLaren F1 in real life. Yeah. I want to take a half an hour to look at the quirks and features and the key, what the key looks like and all these little things you'd never know, which is what I'm now trying to do and spotlight the new series that I'm doing. Um, but without having one locked off camera sitting there with me talking in a stream of consciousness bullshit, like I'm doing right now for a half an hour, like I, that's just not what I want. Um, and I, I know it's not what you guys watch either, but it's clearly people are watching this stuff. And I don't yeah. even know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's treated like a podcast a lot of the time, right? As you mentioned, like where it's more background noise, like the right. person, because it's, it isn't, it's just, it's a conversation. It's not, or it's, it's monologue, but right. you're getting information that not, you don't necessarily need to be watching all the time. Like some of the features, of course, like if it's switch gear or whatever, but then there are seg or, uh, there are large portions of that where he's talking about the background behind this, the selection of this button and why they put it this way and all that. And you don't necessarily need to be seeing it. Obviously helps to um so i think a lot of that is is isn't necessarily as engaged um as you're describing right uh, versus someone who's actually consuming it and viewing it um you know where it's it's just playing as 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 in as something in the background whereas what you made is something that's beautiful that is that is engaging and is to be admired for for that you know versus just something that is is just conversation or monologue in the background i guess thank you I mean, um, that's my and hope. by the way I have to say that your your video kept me engaged because I was waiting for more fucking super fast content that never came. And I'm like, come on, drive the super fast. I want to know more about it. You did the drag race, but what, what about it? <laughs> like, it seems like such a badass car. And but oh, um, God, anyways, so, good. Yeah. so trust me, if we had more time and resources, we would have made an icons episode on the super fast while we were there. I mean, that thing is unbelievable. But, you know, I, I put the super fast in there just to point out just how ridiculously fast the GT500 is. And actually we thought the GT500 was going to be way closer to the A12 super fast in acceleration than it was, but, mm. um, you know, didn't quite work out the way I wanted to, but again, you know, like, like, this should be an engaging, like I want people when they're watching the stuff that, that I do, that, the, the, that icons product and the spotlight product to be front of brain. Like I want them to be a hundred percent paying attention to it rather than something that happens in the background. There's a time and place for that. 
Um, but I think Doug's yeah. audience is probably averages like 14 years old and they're, you know, uh, they're just a younger kind of less focused audience. Yeah. It's a different Agreed. kind of enthusiast. It's like yeah, exactly. a little bit less, uh, yeah, less of enthusiast, I would say. Uh, Vroomhilda's back with 1399. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you, Vroomhilda. <laughs> Thanks, Vroomhilda. Uh, he says, how much more of the zero to 60 codpiece wars do you think there is left before analog engagement becomes the focus? He says also, uh, by the way, I got passed by the 191 mile an hour bends that got pinched in Burlington the other day. Nuts. 191? <laughs> Gnarly. Dude. I gotta look this up. What was it? In Vermont. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Holy shit. That's cooking. Shit. Yeah, I guess there's That's no one around there. Cooking. Wow. I guess uh, except the cop. Um, all right. Well, Art looks that up. Zero to 60, cod piece, BS. I think we're there. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, I, certainly I think everyone in this room, in this Zoom room is there. I don't give a don't fuck. Don't you think Tesla kind of like broke that? Just wait, wait till that roadster comes out. If that ever happens, if Elon doesn't yeah, do, yeah. do a fatal dose of LSD by mistake one, one day, <laughs> yeah. if that thing happens, it's over for everything else. Or if yeah. the, even the yeah. Pininfarina Batista happens, that's, you know, the Rimac, the Rimac two, Rimac, uh, yeah. All that, but like, I already think it is. It's like all of a sudden it's like, it doesn't matter anymore. When, when the Tesla started doing it in the, in the twos and stuff, you're kind of like, okay, it's over. now let's, let's find another metric. Here's the other thing. And Brian will back me up on this. Eagolf does zero to 16. You had the 85 kilowatt, really yeah, the early 115 yeah. horsepower engine that did zero to 60 in 9.4 seconds. Was that not your fastest car in traffic? Holy shit. Oh yeah. By far, right? Far and away. Yeah. yeah. I would get it out of, out of my 815 horsepower 9.4 second e-golf and into my 4.2 second supercharged Lotus Elise and be like, Oh, this thing's fucking slow. Um, yeah, it's just so immediate. Yeah. It's a yeah. completely different so, uh, punch to have under your, under your foot at any time. Yeah. Yeah. Getting through traffic. Yeah. And I, part of it too was like the small size, but here in your case, you had the Elise. So it's comparable. Yeah. But you would have to wait for the Elise, you know, well, not no driving around in first gear at 6,400 RPM right. at my horsepower peak. Right. And in right. my e-golf, I am driving around in first gear at my horsepower peak, ready to deploy it at all times. It's like a frogger car. Yeah. We're just ready to jump, whatever. Um, so, so yeah. So I found this so, car, I, but I think this, uh, uh, I, I think until we have car magazines that do a review and have some rating for uh, measuring engagement in some way, then we're still under the zero to 60 times, right? So Chris Harris actually just did a thing on this recently. I don't remember the hell I saw him, but he was saying that, you know, we at the car magazines have fucked up and created this world right. where we're just pushing metrics, right? You know, this one does zero to 60, zero point X seconds faster than before and then, and then, and um, and we've created this monster. Um, and somebody actually asked me on Instagram if I've ever met Chris. Yes. Um, and actually great guy, um, real genuine car guy, um, owns his own cars. He drives his own cars. And though I disagree with him about some of them, um, because I think he looks at things slightly differently than I do. Um, certainly in, you know, cases like NSX where he loved drifting it. So he thought it was a great car where I drove it around. And I'm like, this sucks to drive every day. So I think it's a terrible car. It doesn't matter if it drifts well. So we've definitely disagreed on stuff, but we, you know, when you have, and I just got myself in a little bit of trouble a couple of weeks ago, um, from something I said on the Carmagen show on my podcast and, um, one of being the number one thread in, in our cars on Reddit, which was that the reason car magazines so often get it wrong is that car journalists mostly don't own cars. 
Um, and so yeah, that they're just driving loaners. They're yeah. driving loaner cars and they're, they, you know, they have a, you know, every day or every three days or whatever, they get a different press car. Um, and then they're, you know, flying around the world, driving these great, incredible achievements of automotive engineering. But that doesn't mean they're necessarily good to live with and fun to interact with. And when I look at the crop of current sports sedans, uh, what's good? Like, give me an Alpha Julia. Surprisingly, give me a Volvo S60 T8 hybrid. Um, there are very few sports sedans left that understand that involvement was actually far more important than zero to 60 numbers. And that is a hundred percent the fault of the media. It has to come down to, I mean, playing devil's advocate here that it's a number. You have something to compare right. to rather That's, than, yeah, how do you, yeah, how do you the do pants that? by one guy who's grown up on tight, narrow roads and another guy who's back roads of, Texas. That's, look, that's the hard part of doing this. They've yeah, also like, been doing you, it, it since the beginning of time, since the beginning of car magazines, which is, you know, yeah, I remember six, I remember 50s, 60s running tracks that my dad had. And I'd look through it. I'd look at the zero 60 times and like it's memorize which was the fastest yeah. one. And well, exactly. and, uh, it, but it used to be, I think part of the heart of this is that it used to be relevant. Right. You know, like th we, those were days when you, you were drag racing, not everybody. Well, that too, but not everybody was at, it wasn't so easy to get past this minimum threshold of a fun power to right. weight ratio. Now, I mean, I, I would almost argue that it wasn't even Tesla, you know, maybe that was the nail in the coffin, but it's when the minivan started being faster than all the enthusiast cars, yeah. like, <laughs> It's like, what is my, uh, the 1970 Chevelle Malibu with a 383, uh, have anything to do with, with a minivan that can beat me on a zero to 60 run? And it's like, once you get to that point, it's like, well, what does, what does that zero to 60 time even mean? You're anyways? Right, right. And, uh, but then, yeah, the flip side, like you're bringing up, Warren, like, how do you, how do you do the comparison? How do you get that number? And it gets to this, like, it's like UC Santa Cruz when they started, they did they did no grades. <laughs> it was all like subjective reviews or whatever. Well, that was until ten years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. They were yeah. they did it a surprisingly long time yeah. actually. But uh, it's so hippie, right? Like, how do you get into these personal feelings of like the? There's no like objective way, or uh, it's very hard to find an objective way to like review this driver engagement bit. That's right? Like job. fifty to fifty to seventy is a good or where is it fifty to seventy? That's a better one. Five probably. to sixty is but the best. The yeah. hard thing, but the hard thing with zero to sixty is they like I know Motor Trend or Car and Driver they include like a whatever rollout, so they they knock that out. So they they always have a quicker zero to sixty time than say Road and Track. Mm, they um, run so there's all these different ways too. of like, but. Okay, so which one doesn't do roll? I mean, Edmunds. there there is different styles of, re is of recording zero to sixty, and it's it's very inconsistent. So you're like, okay, this company states this, this states this. Porsche always underestimates their cars, and then Ford might say theirs is fat, you know, faster than it actually is, and it turns into this whole like. So I'll correct, war of correct lies. you there. Sorry for a second, Lane. Everyone, all of the so there are the big four car magazines: Car and Driver, Motor Trend, Automobile, and uh, Road and Track. And all four of them test the same way and pull out, roll out. How? Okay. Well, historically, car and driver would always be faster zero to 60 than every other magazine. When you look historically at motor the numbers usually faster than during period. Um, okay. Then motor trend was faster than all the other magazines. Like there was one that was always a 
two tenths faster. Right. And it was, no it was matter down what to the, the car was. So, so it's down to two things. There's, they all, everyone does exactly the same thing. And so, you know, and I've unfortunately worked for all of them now. <laughs> um, everyone does the same thing. They crunch the numbers in the same way. They remove the first foot of forward progress, which is rollout. Um, for years, car and driver up until I think the early eighties just removed three tenths of a second off of every car. Uh, and then they went to an actual one foot, but well, then they do weather correction and they do motor trend. So there, there's the Hearst magazines, which is road and track and car and driver. Um, I should say the other way around car and driver is the dominant magazine and road and track is, um, is the sort of smaller one. And then there's the enthusiast networks uh, magazines, which was motor trend and then automobile. Automobiles now half defunct, but the Hearst, um, magazines correct weather, do weather correction slightly differently than the Motor Trend magazines did. Um, you add to that, that Motor Trend had a mentality that if you destroy the car and you get a better time, you're, it's worth it. So there's this one guy mm. who tested for Motor Trend. I'm not going to drop any new names. The motherfucker shift shifted so fast. Um, but I watched, I mean, you literally, it sounded like a dual clutch. So you'd get this launch and wah, take off, wah, bah, and you're like, what was that? It's an automatic. I mean, there was no interruption in power. He shifted so fast. And he wouldn't lift the gas. He would he lift, power but I mean, but it literally, wah, and then you listen to the car and driver guys, or when I tested for any of them, you know, there's just, I can't shift that far. But this one particular person bent two second gear shift forks and two consecutive Lotus Evoras that we tested. And my boss was rip shit. Lotus was fucking violent. Everyone cared. And the motor trend boss was like, good. You beat, you got an extra 10th of a second out of the car. So there's all of these things going. Here's the reality of it. You as a, as an, as the owner of a car are fucking never going to do what we do to these cars in testing. Never. I mean, you're never going to do a 9,000 RPM sidestep launch in an RX-8. You're just not. And then slam first to second as fast as you possibly can to get an extra 10th to beat the other guys. It's not going to happen. So Car and Driver and Road and Track now publish 5 to 60 rolling start. And this is in gear, gear in this case of a stick shift car, gear is engaged in first. You're moving at 5 miles an hour. There's a pressure bulb on the gas pedal. So the second you hit the gas, the timer starts. So you're you're mm-hmm. taking into consideration turbo lag, engine response time, um, all of the above, and you're taking out the launch. And oh, short cool. PDK, like Porsches, are dead nuts consistent. They will do launch control day in, day out. But you get something like a GTR, does it once or twice, transmission explodes or your warranty's voided or all of the above. It's just not, it's stupid. It's never, you're never going to do this. Like I, I guarantee you half the guys who drive cars that do zero to sixties and fours and fives with a manual, come over to my house. I'll put a V box in it and let's go watch what you do. You're going to be two seconds off. It's just not relevant to the real world. And it's the, the job yeah. of the journalist reviewing the car to say, Zero to 60 and top speed and horsepower and all of these different things are just a number. And they're there to allow to, to me to put in perspective. Do you as a driver know the difference between a 3,800 pound car and a 3,100 pound car? No, because there are so many other variables at play that the 3,800 pound car could feel half the weight of the 3,100. But it's, well, I think we're, we're a different cat, you know, us personally are a different category. But if you're talking about general, go drive an Alpha Stelvio. Car feels like it weighs 2,600 pounds. 
It's just, it comes down to the yeah, way, the way no, the steering I mean, feels, right, yeah. the, all these other things. So it's our job as journalists to say, look, this car does 183 miles an hour as, but that's just a data point and it's boring. So it doesn't matter. Um, and to your point, Brian, back in the day, 40, 50 years ago, if a car had a native top speed of 120 miles an hour versus another car that had a top speed of 170 miles an hour, you could use that data point. To understand that the car that at 120 is going to feel really busy at 100. It's going to be 100 versus 120, five sixths of the way to red line. So it's going to be at 5,000 RPM for sure. It's, you know, it's going to be pushing what it can do. Whereas the car that does a buck 80 is going to be bored. Now everything is electronically limited anyway. So everything can be boring at 120 because they're all their natural top speeds would be 180, 160 or 200 or 240 or whatever it is. So it's the, the job of the journalist. And I think most of us fail continually at that, at saying, here's this amazing number, but it's actually not relevant. Here's what you need to know. And what you need to know is what the car makes you feel like because speed fades. But then it's, yeah, and that's so hard to, like, compare side by side in a yep. chart at the end of a, a magazine, right? Because it's like yeah. now you're inserting the variable of all the different automotive journalists, which, you know, is actually part of the, you know, as a side note, part of the fun thing growing up reading car magazines, you start to pick out your favorite journalists and people who you trust more than others. So you're like, you know, I'll listen to this guy. Um, but, yeah, very hard to compare in a spreadsheet sort of way, yep. right? And then, but maybe, you know, if we do, if we think about it a little bit, maybe you, you can come up with, with some metrics that help describe it. It would be on us probably to define, like, when I say uh, I want driver engagement, like, what does that mean? And, you know, we'll probably, you start to talk about things like, I mean, like steering is very important to us. So how do you measure, like, in the real world, what that actually means to us is when you turn the wheel, how long before you turn the wheel and the weight transfers and you feel planted in the corner? You can't. A weird thing to measure, but maybe you, you can, can't. right? And the, so the, the the trap there is what you're describing is is breaking down something like steering feel into a bunch of different metrics. Um, it's like a thousand and well, things. Well, that's exactly dude. what car companies do. And <laughs> if you want a perfect example of, of a company that's done exactly that, it's BMW. Porsche. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Porsche, Porsche goes by there. I mean, okay. GT cars have amazing steering, but that's because Andy Preuninger goes in and says, this car feels like shit. Fix it. BMW whittled down quote unquote steering field to a number of metrics. It's time of response, it's gear ratio, it's okay. rate, it's effort build, it's what happens, whatever. And they have steering systems that are quantifiably better than anything they've ever been. And all I say to their engineers, and I've worked with closely with some BMW steering engineers is you can tell me all you want that this F30 pile of shit has good steering, get into my E30 and and come back and talk to me. And if they go and drive one of the cars, they're like, oh, yeah. Because you can't quantify things like you can. But there would be so many variables that you'd be testing for that you might as well just say, this right. guy's an expert on steering. Have him tune it. Right. And that's what McLaren well, does and Aston Martin does and, and Porsche does. Magazines have historically had the, I don't know which magazine always did it, but it would be like the one through 10 when they do a comparison test, right? So it's like steering feel. They'll have a one through 10, five guys rank it, and then they come out 
you know, it's car and driver. Um, with a with right. a number, right? So car and driver would do be like, oh, it gets a seven, it gets an eight, you know, whatever. I mean, I think that's probably the as close as you can get to to um, coming out with a, a a winner or a car that feels the best in those categories, you know, because you you do have the variable of of per, people's like opinions, but the more people you have driving it and uh, saying, yeah, this one has the best steering feel out of these. It's not necessarily like quantifying it into a, like turn in and how sharp and all that. It's just how it feels. Whole, right? So right. it's evaluating as a whole system where car driver, um, like you said, with the, the, the new BMW, it's like, I have never heard anyone say that thing steers well. Car driver did. But you're saying like car driver. This oh, was really? the joke. Okay. But you're saying their metrics tell you that it's the right. best steering and so, ever, right? And this was the danger. So Don Sherman, who was tech director at Automobile while I was there, and the guy is really, really smart, hates me, um, has always hated me. It's fucking mutual. Um, however, he did, he made one big fuck up when he was in his last stint at Car and Driver before he was forced into retirement, uh, for I think his 16th sexual, um, assault claim. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. It's totally wrong. Um, oh, he was, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to get into it. Um, but Don wrote an article where he tested, he tested E90 hydraulic versus F30 electric steering. Um, and he did, uh, Brian, exactly what you're looking at. He did a bunch of charts of ratio build and yaw per degree of steering travel, all this other stuff, and mm. concluded that electric power steering was vastly superior than hydraulic. Um, and for a while there, car and driver did have a policy where they would pick the car that was the sort of the, the one that did best in all these categories that they had. Um, and I remember one previous high ranking person at car and driver telling, telling me he was leaving, um, after a huge fight over having to pick, I think it was a Porsche over a Ferrari. Um, even though the Ferrari was vastly better of a car because their numbers told them to do so. In the years since then, they've gotten rid of that. And so that you'll see often that they're, they'll say like, we know you, we're going to hear it from you because we're, we're giving first place to the car that was the slowest, got the worst fuel economy, was the most expensive, da 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 But it's our favorite. So, and it's really important for car magazines, any editorial to have the right to say that, like, look, sometimes you just get what you pay yeah. for. So it's more expensive and it's not about what zero to 60 is. It's not about what the EPA number is. We're considering this a sports car. So we're going to judge it based on its ability to put a smile on your face. And for that reason, the car that looks the worst on the paper is by far the best. And I think every, every one of the magazines now does that. Um, even motor trend. Um, that was always the biggest nice. failure of those old magazines was, uh, you know, car and driver. You said like when they do that test, it would be a sports car test purely about driving. And then they would have luggage right. space. And one car would get a 10 and the other cars would get a yeah. two and those cars would lose the competition over something you know, that was irrelevant. It would lose the comparison because of luggage right. space. And you're like, dude, that car still has enough for bags for a weekend or whatever. And it was like, dude, it lost over something that is, is not relevant at all for what you're right. buying this car for. Just, but then you, yeah, you hope annoying. that the people actually in the market for said car look at that and go, okay, well, yeah, but they but most people that. look and they go first place, oh, right. second place, you know, they go, what know, and it was the place. same reason. It was just as infuriating when they would dock points for understeer on minivans. What the what? Yeah. No one, no one gives yeah. a shit about neutral handling on your, on your minivan or, you know, fuel economy Brian of does. your Lamborghini. Like, I get do. the fuck out of it. Yeah. That's yeah. the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, fuel exactly. economy is that's another the problem. One. You can't, these cars are so complex and all of the decisions that go into, 
deciding, you know, optimizing this versus that and trading off here versus there are so complicated. You can't boil it down to any of the even 25 or 50 or 200 or 500 categories or you wind up with something like a fucking three, the current three series, which appeals mm-hmm. to no one. Best three series yeah. ever. Could you could you not curse, please? This is a <laughs> we've had babies on this show. Uh, I mean, come on. I feel like the Euro magazines like Car and Top Gear and those those always did a pretty good job because it wouldn't be as much about the numbers. It would be just an article written on how they feel the car drove and, you know, boiling it down to that rather than like the stats or putting a, a number on everything. They're not yeah. immune to it, but I think yeah. they did a better job. And here's the other yeah. thing. Go look at the people who write for the British car magazines and what they do in their spare time. They drive. They, it's disgusting. They, Pigs. They own cars. I mean, they drive cars. Yeah. They do. Yeah. And they haggis, eat stewed tomatoes. Right? Haggis. Yeah. And beans for breakfast. And just look in the garage. Um, um, how much uh, more do you guys have in the tank, huh? I can do this. I do this all day every day. Uh, this is me just 80, being me. I'm this angry. I'm, all I'm, I'm good till six. So we got. I, I'm down. Okay. Uh, a couple more questions then. Vroom Hilda is throwing down another thirteen ninety nine. Is it Vroom Hilda? Hilda? It's H I L D E. Vroom, yes. Vroom Hilda. Playing the Hilda you oh, wait, Can I before we before we answer Vroom Hilda's uh, question? Uh, I did find the. Um, that one Mercedes that was going 191 or whatever, or got busted oh, yeah. going that. Uh, so Canadian police bus teen speeding at 191 miles per hour in dad's AMG C63. <laughs> he was, he was Whoa, either I at the limiter they, or the limiter was removed. Yeah. I didn't know they went 191. Yeah. yeah they have, they have a 155 limiter. Unless you yeah, get so, the driver's uh, pack, in which case they're 186 or 182. Even. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's insane. That kid's lucky he's not dead. Yeah. I don't care where it was. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Uh, now we sound like old man. I know. <laughs> uh, Apparently Vermilda it was two. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, one. Uh, post, first post lockdown trip for a drive for you guys. So, Jason, have you been driving much like outside of the county? No. I haven't gone anywhere. Yeah. I assume you guys have. I don't know. It's weird because our last drive was the rally. I mean, at least. That was yeah. crazy. Right, we were all on that rally, and we left on Thursday. Like Thursday night, we all gathered for dinner. Everything was great, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Well, maybe we should like at a restaurant, stay away from each other at a restaurant." Ha ha ha! And we came back on Sunday. I'm sure your listeners have heard this many times, so I make it quick. But we came on back on Sunday to a different world. Like that was lockdown, basically everywhere. Yeah, by Monday it was like that was fuck. nuts. I mean, I, we real. were like my whole circle of friends. We were horrified. Like, what the yeah. fuck did we? How did this just happen? What did, you know, like the world fell apart while we were out having fun. And then a couple of days later, one of the guys in my group of friends got really sick and we thought, uh oh, now we've all gotten the coronavirus. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad we went on the, the last drive. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it worked out because if it was the following weekend, we would not have gotten to do it and we would be sitting here with no rally to even talk about. So. I do. So where do we Fuck. go next? Yeah, where's I hope our that first... we can do a goddamn rally in the fall. I don't know. Yeah. That won't be our first, but I mean, no, it could it be, be very, very close after things open thing, up. So but I was trying to, I was kind of dissecting the question and, and like, it's not just a drive. It's actually going on a trip specifically for a drive, right? So oh, that's, that's okay. what it sounds like. So, um, to me, the only time that I really 
take the time to do that, unfortunately, these days is when we have our rallies because we've historically been very busy. But, um, yeah. you know, unless we drive down to do a meeting in L.A. or something, um, you know, if, instead of flying out, which would probably be a better thing to do, you know, early on, um, that would probably be it. Hopefully we can do that in, in, in late summer, early fall. Uh, take the long yeah. road, long route down, take some kind of crossover in the valley there, do some of the old coastal range rally roads on our way and into I LA. Mean, uh, for our uh, morning motors, there's uh, sometimes some opportunities to uh, do a little pre-drive or, or, you know, when you're swapping cars and everything. And uh, that, that could be, that could be near. That's definitely one. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that sucks is a lot of times these drives end up going to a place to have lunch, right? Or something like that. It's it's always like having a destination in mind to kind of hang out for a little bit, talk about your drive, recoup and then go and then go home. Um but I think once that happens, like I still want to do like a lunch trip to Parkfield. I've been wanting to do that for a while. So I think that'll be the first oh, nice. one, that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the yeah, I think we can all agree our first big drive is going to be the next rally. <laughs> Start planning it, guys. Yeah. But the yeah, the, the reality it's is, you know, most of what we did on that rally was pretty safe. I mean, we were mostly just one or two people in a car, one or two people in a hotel room. Um, it was the dinners. But imagine, imagine doing that today, right now. No problem. I would do it. A <laughs> hundred, a hundred people in a restaurant. No. So that's the thing is that the dinners, like yeah. it has to be like we meet outside for a picnic somewhere where we're all far away from each other. I know, I know. Knoll. But it felt, it felt kind of weird at the time. But then if you think about it in current no world, to go into a restaurant with a hundred <laughs> yeah. people and it tight confines. It wasn't like I'll be honest you know, with that, that last dinner, a bunch of us, I was part of a bunch of people who I'm like, I don't think I'm comfortable in here. I think it's time to leave. It was just this, <laughs> you were like a hundred people packed into this room with like a six foot 11 ceiling and like drop ceiling. And there was no ventilation. And there was, we were just packed on top of and each the, other. The walls kept they closing did. in. They definitely too. That's kind of a weird yeah, we, a bunch of us. Yeah, you survived. Up, yeah. but like, this is too much. Uh, you so, survived and you, you can laugh about it now. Dude, I think there's a way to do it though. If, if worst case scenario, if we're banned from, you know, large gatherings for another year, drive through food trucks. Oh, we oh, drive, drive through period. And then, uh, well, yeah, but I'm just thinking as a dinner, like destination, right? So we have a large lot, food trucks, you pull up to the food truck, kind of like the old hop or whatever they used to do in the fifties. And they go yeah. to your window, they drop stuff in and, you know, there's, you know, it's, it's one way to do it, obviously. I mean, and then you're, you're still eating in their car. Roller yeah, skates Jason have doesn't, to be Jason doesn't do that. Well, yeah, Jason would. Jason would cover the interior bring, with plastic and stuff. Cars before, yeah. No, it's I think I'll get you one of those man. There's, there's a way to do it. I mean, you know, the reality is we have to be. I have to be super nerdy again, but you know, um, you'll be very surprised. I'm listening to a bunch of podcasts and science stuff out out of Europe, out of Germany, specifically about their research, and it's really looking like being outside is safe. Um, you know, it's, if yeah. certainly if there's air moving and you're outside and there's UV light and all this other stuff. Um, and so it may be just something that we have to say, we're not going to all be in one building together. Um, and we don't have to eat in our cars, but we do have to eat outside, um, in a well lit, well ventilated place. Um, and so maybe yeah. the dinners, cause you know, part of the, the part of the, the rally is great. The driving is amazing, but the camaraderie that happens at night at dinner, when we all start hanging out with each other is a really important part of it. Um, and yeah, maybe yeah. that just moves to lunch. Lunch. And lunch becomes a longer event where we're outside and we can all hang out and it's relatively safe. There is no 100% safe. How, but. how about a nighttime parking lot party with tons of alcohol? So the alcohol kills 
said. <laughs> oh, so you need uh, a sprit. You need thanks. a like mist. An <laughs> yeah, alcohol a mist, mist of vodka or something. Yeah, yeah. And then we could bring. Uh, we could provide. Super uh, Clorox syringes where you could just be like yeah. know, shooting up. Well, to yeah, clean that. Or you can do that. And uh, I think Trump said you can just shoot UV light into your body, right? And then you can mm-hmm. kind of yeah, uh, yeah. kill the. Uh, <laughs> The virus that way. <laughs> Not <laughs> saying a word. Um, I mean, I like where you're going, Lane. Uh, you do the alcohol, but then you do tacos too, and it's all just parking lot based. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then those will make you like throw up and shit and stuff. So you do food truck evacuate tacos all and, systems. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's all you good. could do a six foot distance line to a food truck, yeah. and then everyone goes to their respective. Right, area. especially if you like yeah. sub quarantine, you pick a group of friends that you know that you understand that they've also been you know sheltering in place and they've been doing a good job at limiting their contacts. And you say, okay, well, these are the guys who are going to share hotel rooms. These are the guys you're going. Yeah, you only make out with them, no one else. <laughs> yeah. That's right, it's just and like high school. It's just like you know, yeah, exactly. I feel like my experience in the rallies yeah, has clicks. been somehow I've missed some. A little different or what? You should see the pre-runs. The pre-runs get a little cozy. <laughs> wow. They do get cozy. Um, Broomhildas Brum, went on to say, uh, thanks all for keeping the content up. And Jason, pretty sure my wife had a crush on you Ooh. when she first showed me head to head. Emphasis on my wife had a crush on you. Yeah. <laughs> so she likes Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah. She thought it was, she thought it was Adam Sandler. Um, I have a question from your Instagram, Jason, is uh, from J.R. Schultz. And he says, is there such a thing as a front wheel drive sports sedan? I'm considering yeah. a used yeah. G- 2016. G-L-I. I'm considering a used 2016 Buick Regal GS. Well, Ford Taurus SHO. That is not a sports GLI, sedan. GLI, dude. Taurus show. Alfa Romeo 164. A muscle car. Alfa Romeo 164. Sure. Yeah. Um, um yeah, Jetta GLI is a good one. I, I think most, it all depends on what your definition of sport sedan is. Civic? Right? SI? Not SI. 850R? But, but if, if the whole idea is a sedan that's enjoyable to drive, there have been plenty of them. Alpha 164, Jetta GLI of any generation. Type, yeah, Civic Type Civic R, Civic Type R, which I have not yet driven. Um, they're really, really good. It's not a sedan, but yeah. Um, it's not? Civic no. SI? Why is a hatchback, right? Oh shit! It's a hatchback. But you can get an SI as a sedan, yeah. and that's yeah, not a not a Type R though. Yeah. Um, there's there there could be Ford Contour SVT. There's a Radwood era appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really. They, it doesn't necessarily have to be rear wheel drive, but but 850R is a good answer, Brian. Yeah. That's a and what about Sobs? Where you at? Sobs. They're not sedans, real. I mean, I guess they made a sedan, but no one thousand. No one wants a sedan. Nine thousand. Oh yeah, nine thousands. It's still a hatchback. Nine thousand. It's kind of big, anyway. No, no, they made a CSE, which is a which is a sedan. Yeah, but that's also not the one you usually want. But I think the big the choice here that we would all go with is a Buick Regal. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually not. It's not bad of a car. It handles really well. I know, but. You're not going to recommend it. Yeah, you're going to sit in that interior. Is that that legendary transverse? For that price, you're not recommending that to anybody. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying here. No. I know. All transverse right. Randy, V6, right? The 3.8? No, 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 no. This is Randy, the current Regal, the 2.0T. The new 2016, one. 2016. Oh. I love Brian's going back to the <laughs> I know. He's like, NASCAR, get her down. <laughs> no, NASCAR is the much older one. That's You know what had drive. like black trim and stuff? <laughs> I love that one, man. That corrugated Saturn. Uh, uh, real nice. 
Randy Y. Singh says, hypothetically, if you could only own one car, disregard cargo space and seating capacity, what would it be and why? Disregard the, these important factors? Like, disregard them. Yeah. I don't make the questions, Brian. I, I mean, just obviously, answer. it's a McLaren F1 then, because if we're disregarding that, I we know, can disregard right? money. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. One car. The answer are is you going to want to take that F1. and park it at the at your uh, yeah local? Yeah, because it's I think you could disregard that too. As, it's as unkillable. Well. A thirty million dollar car can't be totaled. And getting it in and in and out of it every day. It's not my problem. Minor. That's a seating capacity problem or something. That, no, it's it's layout. You're gonna have to do your little gymnastics. It, it's and, like a reason to stay healthy, Warren. <laughs> Listen, I can't. True. Jason would have to wear his short shorts all the time. Oh, no. oh no, damn those it. Are only for yeah, the, the main thing for me is my mind goes to F40 immediately. That's my favorite car. But then you're dealing with ground clearance right. issues. You're dealing with with all with, that you know, with traffic. And, yeah, traffic. It's uh, dude, super heavy clutch, and it's fucking hot as hell in there. So like, it's it, so One as much car. as I, yeah, uh, you. Oh, 959 has been my answer for this in the past. Um, mm. but just because it's, it's crazy and it's pinnacle, uh, but in, I know that 993 Turbo S would, would get me there. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's giving me that sort of kind of well-rounded performance. 300 SL GT. Roadster. Be pretty good. I mean, until, until it's above 58 degrees outside and you turn to steam and, and the brakes, brakes yeah, are yeah, or you get it sideways and, and roll it because it's a swing axle. Um, <laughs> And your head Here's the pops thing. Off. I can't ignore the packaging and I can't ignore the rest of the stuff. And it's just going to be a GTI. It's going to be a GTI or an E30. Wow. Wow. Because of, Any car. I feel like you're kind of slumming it there. Any you car, think of What it's really like to live with. I mean, sure, it's... Jason has an Elise. Oh, God, no. Fuck that. <laughs> Dude, what a pain in the dick back. that car is. I mean, it's just... Yeah. It's going to need an air filter every <laughs> once in a while. You don't want to do that. And you have to get, you, if you have to get it out of it and back yeah, in it... No, it sucks yeah. as a daily driver. I mean, you know, E30s are nice as daily drivers. E30s work really well. Like, my 190 2.316 would make a great daily driver, although sedans less so than hatchbacks. Yes, Brian. I think the answer is 911. No. no. Yes, a 997 no. GT3 or a 996 GT3. I only oh, say man. no because you're right. Dude, I, I mean, not, not a GT3, bad, a GTS. A daily for daily I, use, I would have a GTS. I'm not a big well, I'm not a big 911 guy, but I I think it's the it, right very, thing. You very have to have the back on the seat, compromises too. I want yeah, an S6. Yeah. I want an S65 coupe. I don't care what anyone says. Jason, you can call me old. It's all not you want. that you're old. You're old. Like you're what asking is that even? Mercedes, you're asking for the only shitty V12 ever made. Oh my Ooh. God, shitty V12. Bam. Bam. Lord, what do you think about yeah. that? <laughs> it's the last, the last V12. Um, damn, Lotus Carlton. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <Yes>. Shut up. <laughs> Just a good pick choice. Your, pick your Civic Si, Art. I know you want to. Lotus Carlton. I'm calling it. Manual no, transmission, twin turbo V6, rear wheel drive sedan. Nice interior, good looking stealth. Right yeah, hand drive, um, that's great. Right hand drive though. Nice. No, you can get the German one. Get the German one. Get the, uh, yeah. Oh. yeah. The Opal. You can get the German one. I, I rolled no. my eyes there if you didn't notice. I can't believe yeah. you just called it a V6. Uh, it's okay. on Zoom, but. It's not a V6? Straight six. Straight six. Oh shit! I don't know enough about my Lotus Carltons. That's why I need to buy one. Damn it! <laughs> I, oh, dude, if you I've always one, loved that man. car, but not enough to know that it's not a straight. Six. Eric Tam Scott and I have <laughs> <very> <laughs> so we're going to buy. We're going to buy one at some point. Yeah, Art, how much shame are they? on you, dude? How like, much are they? 
It's like 40 or 50. For, for yeah, a really, yeah. really nice one. 40. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 40s. 40, yeah. And the German ones come up. I've never never seen a left-hand drive. Yeah, there were. I've seen them in pictures. Well, you can't <laughs> yeah, get them percent. here yet. Yeah. Can you? They're 92, I mean, 93. Okay. There's a couple on the East Coast. I've never seen one in the yeah. States. Yeah, me neither. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jason, what's your what uh, chair are you it's sitting a in right now? Mark II Jetta GLI Recaro. Hold on. Oh, that's oh, sick. I, I thought it was uh, trophy. It's yep. pretty nice, oh, dude. My, uh, that is really nice. Too, yep, those are yeah, very comfortable. Nice rug. Wow. Nice hey. rug too. Is that a comfort? Is that a comfortable yeah, chair, yeah. or are you sacrificing no, no. for style? This has been my office chair for years. I got this out of off some guy on Craigslist for like fifty bucks, and I welded a base to it and. 12 years, I think this has been my office chair. It's amazing. It's rad. Oh, nice. nice. I think the ultimate chair would be like a Volvo seat of some kind. Dude, I was texting with Drew today about V, uh, well, V70R, like 2005 or what have you. Yeah. Um, those are so fucking Volvo comfortable. Seats are ridiculous. Top, oh, top yeah. 50 10 seats. OEM. Like all of top them, 10 man. OEM seat. I'm going to throw it out there. Top and I can't 10. think of nine others. They're so, so comfortable, one. dude. They're just like, you, you're not tired when you get out of them. Yeah, I, I don't know. think I and need that's a quite thing. as much like bolstering lateral support. I mean, I do move around a lot. I scream yeah. and I yell, and I'm just you know. But I, even I don't need this much lateral lateral support. How many G's yeah. do you pull in your seat when you're on a call? Oh, it depends on who I'm talking to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think that's a podcast, boys. Alrighty then. I think so. good. You guys did really good. I'm proud of you, um, Jason. How can people find you? They can go to Instagram official Adam Sandler. No. Um, I am on Instagram at Jason Camisa, and my last name is two M's one S. So at Jason C A M M I S A, or you can find me at Isimi Official. Um, that's I S S I M I Official on Instagram or YouTube, uh, and of course you guys probably will tag me in something. So uh, on the Driving While Awesome stuff. Thanks for having me, guys. And you have a and podcast you, on iTunes. We have right? a podcast on iTunes called the Carmudgeon Show. It's really funny because it's a play on words between a curmudgeon and a car. Get it? <laughs> that's because we're nasty old bitches. So it's me and Derek Tam Scott, who I refer to as Tam hyphen Scott because that's more fun. Um, and, uh, we just basically take a, um, take a topic and bitch about it for an hour or so once a week. Um, so dude, uh, Jace, uh, I was going to say you obviously saw Derek's pictures of the mira in the oh, so abandoned san francisco i did not he post them today from today oh yeah God damn, damn, story so here's the thing cool. he so took around. the mirror out over the weekend and he was like hey let's get together for a sunrise like i'm going for sunrise photography golden hour and i'm thinking golden hour for me golden hour on a saturday morning is like 11 to noon i'm not getting up um, <laughs> yeah. and i got up and it was crappy out and he was like yeah no it's crappy here too so you know whatever and then went out anyway and ra- ran into all these other amazing cars um yeah i saw the 73 rs uh, yeah 73 rs and then there was the 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 365 bb that was there and i'm like holy yeah. shit and meanwhile i was just sitting in bed looking at instagram i'm an idiot well, just go look at the photos from the city. Like he's on Market Street or up so on uh, Knob Hill and stuff. Oh it's God. just insane. Just in the middle of the street, like with no cars around him or anything. Uh, around. Have you yeah, driven the Mira, Jason? Is it is it a dump truck or is it's it? It's not awful? a dump truck. It is total sensory overload. I think honestly, the Mira is the scariest car I've ever driven. Um, they're just they're <laughs> like. Everything is nonlinear and everything has a different weight and everything responds differently. And you have a 
two volume rule book in your head that you have to keep. You can't hit the gas quickly. You can't do this quickly. You can't do that. The way the position, the, the pedals are positioned versus the steering wheel, everything is exactly where you don't expect it to be. Um, it's so loud and it's so sensory overloady that it's horrifying. Um, and then, mm. it, but it's wow. what makes for a terrible car when it was new makes for an incredible this, experience yeah. now as a collector car. And I don't think you can get more experience than a Mira. It's insane. A sense, sense of sense of a Cajun. Yeah. That's yeah. right. It's scary. It's yeah. scary. Although F40, F40 could be close. Although with Amira, you can add, I mean, he's talking about an element of fear here, uh, add the fact that the fuel tanks are above the front tires. So um, as the fuel gets used up, the front end lightens. And then if you're oh. going 150 miles an hour with a floaty front end. If you go fun. 150 miles that's an hour cool. in Amira, you are my hero. And that you are officially, <laughs> your balls are 52 times the size of the balls for that 191 mile an hour kid who had no idea how to control that car. Honestly, <laughs> you couldn't pay me to do 150 miles an hour in a Mira. 80 is scary wow. as hell. And that's kind of cool. Really? Damn. I mean, it's also a million dollars and it belongs to your friend's, friend's family and like everyone's going to kill you yeah, yeah, yeah. and you'll, you're not going to survive it if anything happens to begin with. But like oh, the whole yeah. thing is just, I, I think maybe I've gotten one up to 80 or 90 and that, on a like on a straight away and uh, no 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 <laughs> absolutely not no 150 all right we'll leave you with that jason thank you so thank much you for joining for us me. really appreciate fun. it bye yeah. bye bye we'll see you yeah. next time bye. all right patreon.com forward slash driving while awesome. Go check us out on Patreon and please become a patron of our podcast. It helps us out a lot and you get some cool stuff in return. We give you a weekly podcast, which we title experts in automotive opinion. I think we've done 60 of those so far, something like that. We also give you exclusive Patreon only stickers and we'll send you a sticker pack right when you join, uh, we give discounts and early access to certain events we do, like Camping While Awesome, and we give you first crack at our rallies. Check it out and join us on patreon.com forward slash driving while awesome. Thank you, guys.